0: Welcome back to Back in My Play. This is episode number 29 for this episode. We're going to be talking about the music of the Sega Genesis and the Sega Mega Drive. I am Kevin Larrabee, and along with me is Greg Seward of Generation 16 and, of course, the Player One Podcast. Greg, how you doing? I'm great. Got a chance to talk more about the Genesis, so absolutely and josh is not with us he's actually like hanging out with blake harris in new york author of console wars i guess he randomly bumped into him in one of the retro game shops in new york on his birthday (laughs) weekend in new york so uh, happy birthday josh i hope you're enjoying that and again just a really weird thing to to bump into blake I think Blake Harris is like turning into the Kevin Bacon of
1: the video game world. <laughs> it's like, you can—he's two degrees separated from absolutely everybody now in the video game that uh, has anything to do with video games. Even people who just shop for video games, like
0: it's great—they know somebody who
1: knows Blake Harris. So. I, I,
0: I'm so pumped! Like, he's—he uh, had a great interview on on Player One as well. If, if people haven't checked that out, uh, you know, make sure you're subscribing to Player One and, and check out the interview uh, that you guys did with him. Just because there's so much to talk about in that book. Yeah, um, and you know I've listened to a couple interviews that he's done, and uh, it's just it's amazing how much knowledge he's soaked up from all this research that he's done. And uh yeah, Blake, great job, and, and hopefully we'll again be talking to you at some point down the road. But let's let's talk about uh, the Sega Genesis, and we were talking a little bit off the air, and this is kind of a weird topic, <laughs> not because it's it's. Abnormal, but because when people say video game music, a lot of the stuff that comes up is, you know, 8-bit music from the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Famicom, and then on the 16-bit, you know, generation, people go to the Super Nintendo because it tends to, uh, I guess it tends to have much softer music and not... Uh, as rough for, for some people out there but I think that is why it's going to be uh, an adventure for at least me for to talk to you about this stuff because I came to the Genesis really late and uh, still through like your videos on Generation 16 I'm being exposed to a lot of games and for me a big trigger is great music like if I you know mm-hmm. see a video of yours where there's great music in the game like the gameplay could even be mediocre but if there's good music I tend to be like oh yeah I should really mm-hmm. check that out because it really stands out in the generous, uh, Genesis, Genesis library, but um, yeah, I mean, like we we're again we we're talking off there about this. Like it's, it's something that's not discussed a lot. So uh, hopefully, you're going to be introducing a lot of great Genesis music to people out there as well. I hope so. I, I, I think so. I, I, I really <laughs> think so because. Uh, there, <laughs> It's just weird. I've tried to defend Genesis Music in the past on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, <coughs> Turtles in Time versus Hyperstone Heist ep- episode. I try to like really, you know, state my case. Is like, man, the music's pretty good in Hyperstone Heist as well. It just sounds a little different, but. Uh, with that being said, as we go forward, keep in mind a lot of this stuff uh, is going to be our personal memory. So I'm going to do my best to, to talk about my experience with the Genesis. Uh, of course, Greg has much more experience with it, um, along with what he's been doing. And uh, you know, with with a lot of this stuff, our, our goal is just to help introduce you to some great music, and then also to remind you of great music on the Genesis. So. I hope you're buckled in. I hope you're ready to get about a two-hour-and-change podcast and prepare to listen to a lot of music from the Sega Genesis because one of the things that we got for feedback, a ton of people loved the NES music episode. Some people were like, for the NES music episode, all they did was play music from the NES. That's what this is going to be because we're going to celebrate it and enjoy it. Um, Get your stereo headphones on because that is another selling point of the Sega Genesis. You don't need to worry about doing that fake stereo stuff you did with the NES episode. (laughs) No, that that, that fake 8-bit stereo stuff. But uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to be right back. We're going to be talking about the history and uh, the architecture of the Genesis uh, sound chips and that setup. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right, so let's talk about the sound hardware on the Sega Genesis and the Mega Drive because it is, uh, it's is—it's kind of fascinating. With the Super Nintendo, obviously, they went to uh, Sony, someone that is known for uh, great music hardware and, and great stereos and things like that. Uh, the Sega Genesis came out a couple years earlier, so I'm going to give you some quick tips. Uh, tech specs, and uh, we can go into it a little bit more after that. So the system produces sound by way of an of an FM synthesizer and a tech, Texas Intru- Instruments SN seven six four eight nine, which uh, that chip, that TI chip, is also uh, the main sound hardware in the Neo Geo Pocket Color, and I believe the Sega Master System, which is why, in the Game Gear. It's kind of like why you get the same, uh, you know. Sound from From those three consoles Um And the TI piece, the Texas Instruments piece, is a programmable sound generator, uh, the latter of which is integrated with the VDP, uh, which is one of the processors, I believe, on the Genesis. Uh, The Z80 processor directly controls both sound chips. That's one of the processors in the Genesis, uh, producing stereo music and sound effects, both (coughs) synthesized and digitized. Uh, Most revisions of the original system contain a Yamaha YM2612FM uh, synth chip and a separate YM7101VDP. These two chips were uh, later integrated into a single custom chip for later versions of the console uh, distributed worldwide. So, this is when we talk about if people want to get the best Genesis experience, they should really try to look for one of those model ones, because it has the original sound chip, and I guess, to cut costs in later versions of the hardware, Sega decided to use that uh, integrated chip, uh, like they do for, for other consoles. you know today, they try to like, fit as much into as little space as possible so they can cut down costs and then also make a uh, smaller, more attractive console, I guess. Uh, The back of the Model 1 console provides a radio frequency output, that's that RF jack, um, and a specialized 8-pin DIN port, uh, both of which provide video and audio output. Um, The key thing with this (coughs) is that uh, that 9-pin mini DIN uh, port on the back uh, supports composite video, RGB, which is great if you have a frame Framemeister, um, and stereo sound, as well as the standard RF switch. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, uh, the uh, AV cables that you can get for the Model 1, though, uh, only offer a composite output, um, for at least for the most uh, of the cables out there that I could find. I could not find a stereo one, but in the front of the console, you have that fantastic stereo headphone jack, so you can always plug in a headphone adapter to uh, a right and left channel output and get some fantastic stereo sound with optional volume switch on the front. So like this was pretty forward thinking, you know, at the time to have that headphone jack in the front. uh, And again, coming off of the NES, which only had mono output, uh, that was a pretty good setup for people that wanted to get some really good sound out of a home console. Mm -hmm. Um. So we mentioned before, the the big debate between all this uh, 16-bit hardware is, you know, Genesis versus Super Nintendo. Even though Genesis came out a couple years earlier, uh, or I should say a little bit over a year earlier, uh, you know, people still say, obviously, the Super Nintendo is probably capable it's not even debatable. It's capable of putting out better sound. Um, there's no doubt about it. They have different sounds to them, and uh, the FM synth is something that we're going to be coming back to a lot. It's a very uh, distinctive sound to the the Genesis, and again, I think uh, we can probably agree on. It. It's something that's not as well celebrated as the uh you know the Sony hardware that was in the Super Nintendo um, right. So, so anything I missed out on there, Greg, just in terms of like the hardware and stuff like that? I know, uh, again, you've, you've done a lot of research for stuff like Generation 16 and stuff. Yeah, you know what, though? Um,
1: <clears throat> I haven't done a whole ton of research on the different um, revisions of the Genesis hardware itself. I know that um, the, you were talking about the AV cables, and I know that the output on the back of the system actually did go to stereo, I think, with the Genesis 2 and the CDX. Um, But otherwise, no, I mean, I think you pretty much covered everything there.
0: Thank you, Wikipedia, for delivering such great information for Mm -hmm. free. Um, And one of the things that we hit on with the NES episode was the evolution of the – the sound output on the Genesis, or at least what the programmers and the game designers were doing when it came to uh, music on the console. So I, th- I thought it was worth at least talking about, um, you know, just some of the splits in terms of the quality. And uh, if people have checked out Generation 16, and you can speak to this, Greg. At the beginning, lots of arcade ports. I remember in the advertising, it was get arcade quality graphics and sound in your home with things like Altered Beast and, and Super Thunder Blade and things like that. So at the beginning, most of that sound was kind of coming out of, you know, those arcade conversions. Um, to the best of your knowledge, you know, how, how were those conversions? Did they end up doing a pretty good job with the sound bringing <coughs> in from the? I think it was Model 1 Sega hardware?
1: Yeah, I believe it was. It was System 16, I think. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. Model 1 was when they went 3D. Yep. Um, yeah, and it sounded, I mean, I don't know if it was, I, well, I'm not going to say it was 100% because mm-hmm. I'm sure it wasn't 100%, but those early arcade ports did sound pretty friggin' good. Um, like you got Golden Axe and, and Altered Beast, I think, are two of the standouts where the music actually sounds great. It's mm-hmm. It sounds like the arcade, um, but I mean, you know, they were using, I don't know if they were using the exact same. I know they used the uh, the TI chip that you were talking about in some of their arcade games. I don't know if they use it in that in those exact arcade games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, those, those games themselves were a little bit limited based on the hardware they used. I mean, those games were, were old. They were mid-80s to late-80s. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it did sound great, but um, the music definitely evolved a lot from the beginning to like, you know, the mid-90s.
0: Well, even stuff like Ghouls and Ghosts, which came out in 89... And if Absolutely. You, if you match it up to the the, the arcade game, and um, you know that's something I tried doing before the show, is just like I'm, I'm watching a you know a version of Ghouls and Ghosts in mame you know someone playing it on youtube and then trying to uh listen to ghouls and ghosts on the genesis and it's pretty close like that was one of those things that uh i believe uh i think it was even you that i, I learned this from is that um sega did the port uh for ghouls and ghosts and did yes. a kick-ass job actually uh, Naka did the port for oh ghouls no way ghosts. okay yeah. uh Very cool fun fact. Um, So, again, you got some great sound from that. And for for me personally, when I was checking out Genesis games at that time, when I had a buddy down the street that got that Altered Beast bundle, you know, it was the ability to get human sounding voice out of uh, a home console where I was used to hearing things like double dribble. And like horrible sounding stuff like that, <clears throat> and uh, even with with ESWAT, which is one of the games that is one of my favorite on the console. But I got it probably in like 1995 at a yard sale for two bucks. Um, just hearing the the awesome sound effects from that game uh, still just got uh, a really great just arcade vibe from it that you, that would just kind of take you back to being in an arcade with games all around you and just hearing those iconic sounds like those iconic sound effects coming from games, the machines and, uh, in and around the arcade.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the Genesis, as far as sound goes, it started out, um, being really similar to, uh, to what you heard in the arcade because of the similarity in the hardware. Um, but then it's like, as the years went on and the hardware in arcade games got better, the the Genesis sound definitely moved away from that. It wasn't the... I don't want to say it was the same quality, but it didn't really keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the thing that I found that changed was the evolution of the original game sound. Like any of the original games on the console, that started to get a lot better. Um, so by the end of it, you know, when you were having games that were built from the ground up for the, the Genesis, like Shinobi 3 or Gunstar Heroes or something like that, they had a really unique and interesting sound that... Was light years beyond what you heard early on on the Mega Drive and the Genesis. Um, the other thing that I've I kind of noticed as I was going through this because I went and listened to a lot of old soundtracks for these games. I was I was telling you, you told me <laughs> to come up with like seven seven tracks, and I think as of yesterday, my my list was at like thirty. Awesome, but um, <laughs> yeah, but there was kind of this weird uh, downturn on original game soundtracks I find on the Genesis because of Sega of America. Because mm-hmm. um, it seemed like as they got ramped up, which was the like 1990 and on, there was a time when some of their games sounded just downright awful. Yeah. Um, and that's where you, you, you made mention on Twitter about the 8-4 guys calling, uh, what was it, the Genesis sound, like a I think symphony is, of farts or something I, like
2: that? I,
0: I didn't want to attribute it to one person. I can't remember if it was Mark or if it was John or if it was I'm someone say that was, it was on Mark. The, Sure. And I, th- I think it, you know, the, it, or it might even have been JJ, who I think is the biggest defender of the Genesis because he actually, uh, that's all I think he, he grew up with. But I think the common, uh, you know, saying is that uh, the Sega Genesis tends to sound like a series of farts. And, you know, I
1: mean, that's not fair, but um, I can understand where that th- that feeling comes from. Because when you look at the, the Genesis was the most popular in North America, mm-hmm. um, and A lot of the biggest selling games on it were US games and there was a time when US games sounded
0: terrible. Mindscape, what's up? Like Yeah, but even
1: Sega like Fantasia. Fantasia's if you go, I mean, Fantasia, the entire movie is based on music and mm-hmm. the game is based on music. And if you go listen to that soundtrack, it sounds terrible. It's yeah. so bad. And it's what people were listening for. So I can see where it got the reputation for sure.
0: And it's and it is one of those things where uh, it is the just American developers in general tended to not do a great job with, uh, you know, the games at the time. That's why people loved getting Japanese games. A lot of the best games out at the time were coming from Japan. And then you did have the electronic arts, which obviously had a, a big place with the Sega Genesis. Mm. Um, you know, they had a lot of success with sports games, but you know, I, I would almost say like, actually I'm going to turn around right now. I have a copy of uh crew Ball. Uh, I thought you
1: were going to show us your Tokyo drift poster again.
0: I know you can see the Tokyo drift poster, but I have a, uh, a, Box copy of uh, Crew Ball from Electronic Arts on the Sega Genesis. That game actually sounds pretty good. So, I guess it was just based on uh, you know the developer working on it, obviously, and then the composure definitely. I mean, there's definitely a learning
1: curve there mm-hmm. and and you know that was that was surely a big issue um but they, it got better the The American yeah. developers did get better, and you know you're talking about e a and and their yeah. games, I thought after a while they started to sound pretty great too, and they had a very unique sound compared to everybody else, so.
0: Yeah, it was nothing as bad as like LJN on the NES with things like again, for some reason it's on my shelf. Back to the Future, um, where that <laughs> that that the music in that game is just absolutely atrocious. Um, but there's also games like Outlander from from Mindscape, uh, which literally backs them up when they say that it sounds like a series of farts because that that, the music in that game um, sounds absolutely terrible and uh, that is also for some reason on my shelf I think I got as part of a lot but um, go, if you want to pause for a second I'm not going to put this music in the episode but go look for um, that game, outlander for the Genesis on YouTube, and just listen to how terrible that thing sounds. Um, I apologize if you 're listening and you worked on that game uh, some later games that came out or i guess mid cycle you know I was just throwing some stuff out there, but uh, I am very happy that i own I own outrun on like three different consoles but oh, outrun. Um, I love the the outrun soundtrack which um i 'm really close to pulling the trigger there 's a uh there's ten. There's a ten-disc set for Outrun that is available on Amazon Japan for just like 150 bucks. Like just I, 150 bucks. And if you think about it, that's such a great value with all that you get ten disc. I think it's actually like eleven discs, and uh, you get uh, great Outrun uh, soundtracks from like every Outrun game that has ever been released up to 2006, with uh, the inclusion of Coast to Coast, I believe, on the PSP. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is worth checking out, but the Genesis version of Outrun, uh, still, you know, for a game that came out in 1986 in the arcade, doesn't this, doesn't sound as good as the arcade game, but it's pretty damn close. Um, And it kind of just showed you where things were going when (coughs) Sonic 1 was also coming out at that time uh, and really just sounding unlike anything that was on the Genesis at the time and just in terms of sounding really uh, soft like it was it didn't have that harsh, you know, metallic sound to it that. You know, for for better or worse, or even if it deserved it, the Genesis was getting that reputation in some uh, in some uh, you know groups. But I, I, th- I think there was a lot of the same uh, kind of Genesis, like the NES had, when the music was really bad when those black box games came out and the Famicom launched in '83. But towards 1993 and '94, you got you know soundtracks <coughs> like. The later Mega Man games and, and mm. Kirby Kirby's Adventure, which is uh, great and gimmick, um, I think the Genesis had a really uh, you know great arc like that as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it, like you talk about something like Outrun, and, and the same thing is true on any system and any any sound setup. Great com- composition is going to be like nine-tenths of it, too. I mean, the music in OutRun is phenomenal, and it always has been. It was in the mid-'80s, and it was in the early-'90s when the Genesis version came out. And it continues to be. Like, you're talking about a 10-disc set, and it's funny, but (laughs) all the newer versions of OutRun, all I care about finding is whatever the latest mix of, like, Splash Wave and and all that stuff is. It's
0: those three songs. It's Magical Sound System. It's Splash Wave. Yeah, and And, uh, it is... It's crazy, because I can still... I remember owning an outrun, owning multiple outrun machines and just always loving that game over screen music, uh, Mm -hmm. which I'm going to throw in right here just because uh, the Genesis version, of course, um, because you can just hear how soothing and just like, you know, I just spent a quarter on this and I, I lost after 30 seconds because I didn't know how to turn and shift correctly, but... Man, the game is giving me some good music And it's like saying, it's alright, you know you, you did okay, and you probably yeah. still got a decent high score Look at this beautiful sunset Yeah, look, oh, it's just a beautiful Oh, man Got to make Shenmue three. Um, <laughs> let's 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 just turn to that for a little bit. Uh, so, anyways, obviously later on, we're we're not breaking this down, you know, th- super thoroughly. But uh, also later on, there was just a, a great soundtracks like Sonic three and, and Shinobi three, and I think you wrote down Fantasy uh, Star four. Like you said people were, were getting to understand the hardware, and they knew how to really, you know, get the sound that they wanted out of it, and to make fantastic music.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and like I say, you, you, you I mean, the the fantasy the star soundtracks are great. Uh sort of a great measure of where the system started and where it went because Phantasy <clears throat> Star 2 was one of the earliest games on the Mega Drive I think mm-hmm. it came out in uh, mid-89 or something like that um, and then Phantasy Star 4 was what, 93, 94 somewhere in there so yeah, I'm asking you and you're just shrugging yeah. your shoulders <laughs> but it sounds it's all good but yeah. it sounds totally different and like Phantasy Star 2 good composition but it's it's kind of you know very beep and boop and really high-pitched um and then fantasy star 4 just feels way more complete the sound just is way more complete
0: i'm a big fan of staying on track with these episodes but for for someone that did not ever you know, get that deep into the Genesis library back then. Uh, Fantasy Star two through four. If you have access to those, whether it be on Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection or you know the eight other, you know eight thousand other ways to play those games, um, are those still worth going back to? Are those definitely like up there in terms of RPG experiences? Fantasy Star four definitely is. That okay. game has really
1: stood the test of time. Is it like Final um, Fantasy where you don't have to play everyone? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, cool. I mean, the fantasy star games are definitely more connected than the final fantasy games have ever been. I mean, gotcha. they generally all, uh, sort of reach back to fantasy star one, but it's okay. like the, 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 time span is like thousands of years. So, you know, you'll see, I think in fantasy star two, there were a couple characters that were actually in fantasy star one. But other than that, I think you didn't see any more characters in fantasy star three was kind of a side story mm-hmm. as well. Um, Two is hard to play nowadays. Uh it's it's a grind. It's a really like it'll tear you up kind of grind. Mm-hmm. And three was always a little bit weak anyway. Uh, it had a very cool premise, uh, the whole generations thing. So you could end up with like I think six different endings, six different wow. totally different quests at the end. Okay. Um so it was kinda of cool to play it for that. But Fantasy Star Four definitely stands test of time It stands up.
0: Okay, I'll add it to the list of the other 800 games that I'm going to get to playing by the time I get to that. You and I are both going to be retired and
1: playing Genesis games.
0: That's the goal. I'm going to cash out early and just uh, you know find a cabin with some high speed internet. uh, You know enough power to. Power CRT and a couple consoles and a refrigerator <laughs> full of Mexican Coca Cola. There you go. Um, all right, so let's take a quick break. We're going to be right back and talking about uh, specific developers and composers with uh, sounds that were really specific to them. So stick around, we'll be right back. Yeah, so this is going to be a really interesting topic because when we discussed the NES stuff with CJ uh you know the big things that came up were you know Capcom had a specific sound and Konami had a specific sound Sunsoft and you know even the the European and the uh US developers had a you know much more specific sound like the Code Masters and stuff out there uh you know the micro machines and things like that um and I think from just you know again we're not, this isn't an, an encyclopedia. We're not going to cover all the bases. We're just going to co- uh, talk about some of the standouts. But um, to me, like only two people really came to mind, and that was uh, Tommy Tallarico, because his name comes up all the time. And yeah. He's still associated with uh, video games uh, live and things like that. Um, and also uh, Yozu uh, Koshiro from, of course, sh- for me, it's, it's always Streets of Rage and Streets of Rage 2 and stuff like that. But uh, you even added, you know, working on Revenge of Shinobi uh, and Beyond Oasis. So um, I want to kind of hand this off to you to talk about um, those guys and the other uh, people that you put on there, just because, again, I think this is going to be a huge education for, for people out there that haven't really uh, dove into the Genesis music stuff
1: yeah going back quickly to tommy tallarico you mentioned video games live and i'm anybody who's interested in video game music you should go check out the video games live uh well discs i don't know if he sells physical discs or not but he sells all the albums on itunes and they're worth listening to because it's just basically live concerts of video game music and there's there's one like i I bought one of them i forget which one it is that had a castlevania is it when
2: he goes castlevania that's
1: the one (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he gets you so pumped up with his intro, but the the music is unbelievable. Yeah. It's so well done. Anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, Tommy Taylor I mean, I, it's funny because you said that, and I actually um associate him more with a bunch of Sega CD stuff. Interesting. Um, like, so, yeah. like what? Like what? Well, like the Terminator on Sega CD. Oh, that's right. He, he did. Um, And, you know, I mean, he also did a lot of the Virgin stuff. I think he did Global Gladiators, um, Mm -hmm. Lion King, and all like a lot of the Disney stuff. Yeah. And it was all really good. And, of course, Earthworm Jim. Mm -hmm. I think probably yeah his strongest soundtrack on the Genesis for me was Earthworm Jim um, but again then the special edition came out on Sega City and you got to hear it all Redbook audio and it sounds that much better so cool but he's, he still did a really good job with it and he also came up I think with a bunch of <clears throat> his whole system that he used for creating music on the Genesis was different than a lot of other people. I think he ended up finding new ways to use voice on there something with the extra channel that was on there I, I read this somewhere once but I think Global Gladiators is a really good example of it. There's a lot of extra voice work in that game mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Yuzo Koshiro is like a god he, he, he yeah. made the Genesis sound better than I think anyone ever expected it to um, and Revenge of Shinobi was the first game that he actually ever did and you can totally hear it the difference yeah like if you're well if you watch generation 16 yep. where you know you go through chronologically the games all there, there's some games that already sound really good um but then when you get to revenge of shinobi it just sounds different mm-hmm. um especially when it comes to percussion and stuff like that that was kind of his big thing and then he got into like it was all the electronic music and like the club stuff yep. that he was really good at and it's just fantastic although he could do uh orchestral too like um act raiser Everyone talks about Actraiser on Super Nintendo. That was him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so completely different. But Revenge of Shinobi and the Streets of Rage games are what he did. And he really defined what you could do from like that sort of type of music on the, uh, on the Genesis.
0: I think 50% of the people, when I said I, I put it out on Twitter and on NeoGAF, you know what? What when you think of great Sega Genesis music, Mega Mega Drive music? You know what comes to mind? And I think almost fifty percent of the people would mention multiple tracks, but always it would be a Streets of Rage track in there. Yeah, and it would be you know Revenge of Shinobi in there. Um, just because I, again, like you said, it, it's it, those tracks stand out because they just sound so different. Um, you know, for for me personally, it's like you know Sonic the Hedgehog games. Uh, they just sound uh you know so different. Have a uh, much—it's even hard to describe. It just sounds, you know, much more composed and less like, I guess, less like rock music, like the which you know some which appealed to some people uh, who picked up a Genesis. Yeah, for sure. And actually, talking about rock music, the other name that I
1: put on the list here was Rob Hubbard, Mm -hmm. who um, he was pretty much the composer over at Electronic Arts, Mm -hmm. Um, and um, the 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 game that I meant that I really sort of identify him with his road rash. the title track of road rash it's very hard rock it's like very um for lack of a better term like very chunky um it is like really heavy drums and it's a lot of guitar and he made he made the genesis sound really good as well but it's a totally different sound than anything else out there i mean his his stuff was very um unique as well and you could always kind of tell that you were listening to a rob hubbard Uh, track and Mm -hmm. he did like a bunch of the sports games and he i think he did all the road rash games i'm not 100 sure um but yeah it just a totally different sound again than a lot of you especially anything that came out of japan
0: uh this is the point in the show where i'm gonna again mention because i I meant to at the beginning anytime we talk about music uh on this show i want to always reference uh kevin gifford's uh fun podcast looks like fun! This is where he did uh, about six episodes of just fantastic, weird episodes of great music uh, from, you know, all kinds of consoles um, and even some great stuff from uh, PCs. So if you uh, want to learn some more about the Evolution of Video Game Music, uh, that would be uh, a place you should go to. And I keep those six episodes on my uh, iPhone at all times just because they're always great to throw on the car and stuff like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh,
1: pimp another show, too. Yeah. I don't even know if they still do regular episodes, but there was at one point a gaming a podcast called Critical Strike. Mm-hmm. And they branched out and did a series called Critical Music, um, which was, again, all about video game music and he got guest hosts to do a lot of them Mm -hmm. and everybody would pick a theme and kind of do that and actually mike phillips from player one and formerly the fanboys uh he did an episode about licensed music in video games and i actually did an episode as well on sega cd so critical strike in the actual sub series is called critical music definitely go check it out because there were some really good episodes of that as well
0: um OneUp.com also did a, uh, the sound test, uh, which I think was right oh, before yeah, right. that did it, but it was only for actually did a good amount of episodes. It looks like it did like 12 or 15 episodes. Um, so, just again, throwing it out there. And I, I think this is such a weird territory. Like, I don't know, like, <clears> rights <throat> issues and stuff like that when it yeah, comes I to this stuff, because, you know, we use obviously <laughs> video game music in every one of our episodes. And I almost use the whole track as much as possible before it starts looping again. Um, and i think it's just promotion of the game so hopefully uh if anything you know we're just trying to help people buy this stuff again on virtual console or uh other outlets like that where they can buy the game for the 18th time like super mario brothers um <laughs> and also uh this is nintendo based but uh one thing that i i didn't I found out for the first time a couple of months ago was uh, Nintendo's big band series where uh, you can get these CDs from Amazon Japan or other Japan, uh, you know, actually you probably import it from any place that sells music, but um, Nintendo does big band stuff where they'll take, uh, you know, soundtracks from Nintendo games and they'll remix it into like big kind of rock band orchestra um, setups, which uh, if you go on, Nico Nico, they have a bunch of clips on there, and also on YouTube. I think people ripped them from Nico Nico and put them up on YouTube, so you don't have to nice. go through uh, their like Facebook login process. So, uh, a little bit off topic there, but uh, going back to just talking about specific developer sounds. Um, also, you know, I, I found a lot of times uh, Sunsoft brought a lot of games to the Genesis and even brought some games like uh, they did a version of Batman uh, that I think you are going to talk about in a little bit that had great music. Um, yes. So we'll save it for, for uh, the next segment. But, um, you know, there still were some developers that did some great job, uh, great stuff. Uh, Konami as well uh, on both platforms, Super Nintendo and Genesis. Um, I thought they w- were always at the top of their game, whether it be hyper own so nice. heist. Even Sunset Rider sounds okay. It's nowhere mm-hmm. near uh, you know the great soundtrack of the Super Nintendo version, uh, but also uh, Contra Hardcore. Yes. uh, Wow. Holy crap.
1: (laughs) That's a game that whenever you like, if you search around the internet and look at like uh, um, message boards where people talk about like the best Genesis soundtracks ever, Contra Hardcore will always come up. And that'll always be, I find anyway that that's always the game that somebody will say like nothing on the Super Nintendo comes close to this. I don't know if I totally agree with that, but people are absolutely in love with that soundtrack.
0: It's just, it starts off uh, like. Friggin' nuts like you're just you're you're uh you know going out of control in a car and uh everything's exploding and it's just like ripping guitars and drums and like techno it's it's awesome um so definitely look that up and it's a game you should probably try to play even though it's you know has some weird parts to it and uh it's super hard yeah, um, one more one more
1: uh, yeah. composer I'd like to mention that we have on the list here is, and I'm sorry if I mangle this name, but uh, Tokuhiko Uabo, uh, who is credited usually 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 as, usually as this, um, he was one of the very early composers. He actually worked at Sega, I believe, and he actually did a lot of stuff on the Master System. Um, that's how early he was. Uh, but he was the person who uh, composed Fantasy Star Two's soundtrack. also Fantasy Star 3, mm-hmm. and he was, in, if you go look him up on, <clears throat> on Wikipedia, I mean, he's in, he's been involved in so many Sega games. Um, so <clears throat> if you liked any soundtracks early on in the Genesis library or during the ma- on the Master System library, chances are some, if not all of it, is his music.
0: Uh, finally, before we go into the next segment, something that I mentioned to meant, meant, <coughs> that I uh, meant to mention in the last segment uh, was the Complications with emulating the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive sound architecture uh, these days, even today, where we're talking about you know twenty plus years later, emulators still don't get it perfect, even when it's ported. Like when there's you know Sonic Ultimate Genesis Collection, I know that was one of the big things people talked about. Is like you know it still doesn't sound right, even though I can't hear it. But you know there's clearly people that are <laughs> you know even you know crazier than than I am about you know. Keeping sure, making sure that everything sounds and looks like it should. Um, so that's what one thing I'm going to warn you: if you got one of those Retrons, you want to play a lot of Genesis games. You know, it might. Your anti-retron campaigning. It sounds so bad, but whenever I'm just I'm just saying, you know, that's <laughs> 150 some odd bucks if you just get one of those. Uh, XRGB Framemeisters for like A little bit over three, get a couple cables It's an investment that you can hand Down to your children and they'll be able to Play (laughs) your video games and that Android hardware is probably Going to expire, judging by how It sounds like anytime someone Takes a game out of the console, it sounds like it's going To snap in half Um, But like I said, I hope that would Be great if people could get a good piece of hardware Out there and hopefully they can update the firmware Or, uh, I don't know Whatever Um, So that's that. Let's take a quick break. We're going to be right back with, uh, you know, the songs that we grew up with, uh, the memories that we have of Sega Genesis video game music, as well as the third chair, which is going to be you guys out there, the audience. I polled the audience and we got a lot of great submissions from people out there and their personal stories with some music. Uh, So if you haven't heard too much Genesis music already, uh, it's just going to get that much crazier when we come back. So stick around. dump a ton of Genesis music into your ears. So uh, if you need to, pause right now, get some nice headphones on because I'm going to do my best to make this the highest bit. This is going to be like a 500 megabyte download uh, for you out there because I think it is worth preserving. I will pay the bandwidth costs to preserve... The sound of the the genesis as much as possible so uh again i mentioned a little bit uh, earlier that we're going to be using the similar format to what we did for nes music and we're just going to go around the table we're going to be starting off with games that we we grew up with or the music that we appreciated back then and <clears throat> then talking a little bit about you know being a, a podcast that revisits games and you know checks out new stuff talking about games that we we learned of you know in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, songs that we learned of after the console had its initial uh, life cycle. So uh, we'll get into that. And like I said before, uh, we're going to be talking about some stuff from the audience as well. So this is just going to be straight up music uh, and not a ton of talking. So the the first one that I want to mention is the, the games that drew me to the sega genesis in the first place which was as i mentioned in the sonic one and two episode uh the soundtrack for sonic one and two and uh for me it is it's iconic it's an easy choice but it is green hill zone uh on sonic one just because i think that is a uh it's just a huge standout when it comes to music on the genesis and if i think if almost anyone hears that song uh, if they touched video games in their life, they could probably pinpoint it to the, the game that it is associated with. So um, it's definitely going to be Green Hill Zone uh, for me just because, like I said, I was on the sidelines. I had a Super Nintendo. I was like, I don't need a Genesis until I saw Sonic 1.
1: Um, with my with my list I tried to I, I kind of looked at what uh, you had picked and what our your listeners had picked um, to try to be a little bit different, but I couldn't avoid putting Sonic mm. right at the top as well yeah <laughs> although I'm gonna say that um green hill Zone is is the best for sure but uh there, all the the whole the entire soundtrack in that game I love the entire soundtrack is fantastic and a lot of people like you're saying a lot of people can uh, associate Green Hill Zone with Sonic. But I think a lot of those people also probably have never even heard much of the rest of the soundtrack, um, which is why actually one of my favorite tracks from Sonic in general is um, the credit sequence. in the game um that's that's you know the, the composition is great and they actually took they actually took this idea and they reused it in sonic generations recently um, i think actually ending music for sonic Generations starts exactly the same as the ending music for sonic one A bunch of tracks from the last 20 years But either way, yeah The credit sequence for Sonic was fantastic Because you got to really have all the great music In like a 3 or 4 minute span
2: Mm -hmm.
0: This is another one of those things Where it's so much better to live in Japan sometimes Because they did release a fantastic 2 disc Uh, CD soundtrack for Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2 for one of the anniversaries and um, also included a bunch of unused music as well and variations uh, of the original tracks. Like It's it's really weird listening to stuff like a version of Green Hill Zone that's just really slow. And uh, (laughs) I think what they just decided is like, yeah, Sonic is fast, so we should probably speed this track up a little (laughs) bit. Um, And even uh, you mentioned one of my probably... You know, top five or top ten soundtracks from the last generation is Sonic Generations, um, just because of all the variations that they have of the uh, the classic tracks and uh, the stuff that is is newer. And and I didn't even realize like tracks that were remade from Sonic Three that I didn't even realize. And I thought those were songs that started coming uh, with the uh, the uh, Sonic game where he turns into like a werewolf. Oh man, what was it called? I forget what it's called, um, but I, I still, i it's a weird memory, but I remember sitting at my desk at Game Trailers because I was, uh, we were working E3, and actually this is kind of a good E3 story, um, and my job for E3 at Game Trailers was to sit there, as soon as we get a new trailer in the queue, you have to convert it to, like, these fo- like four or five different video formats, like, you have to send it to our, like, huge compression boxes, and it gets you know, shot back to you, then you need to go into our database and post it on the website. Um, and I remember just sitting there and watching, it wasn't Sonic Generations, but it was, uh, again, it was that Sonic Unleashed, I think oh, it was. Yeah, that's it, Unleashed, um, that's, the, that's the name. And I remember seeing that trailer <laughs> for um, that game, the the E3 trailer, and the rooftop rooftop run. And it uh, just blew my mind. Like, I, I was like, I was telling everyone in office, like, man, they're going to make a good Sonic game again. And they, they got close. They got really close. And then they obviously, uh, in my mind, I think you'll agree that they hit a home run with Sonic Generations. Um, oh, God, yeah. When it, when it came to just finding the right balance between <laughs> the two. Yeah. Uh for the audience, uh we're going to be going to uh I think it's at SPRSK. I think it's Sporsk. Um I think that's JJ from Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> from A4play. That's awesome. Um he says Shining Force 2, the soundtrack from Sh- I asked him what's his favorite soundtrack. He said Shining Force 2 and then immediately I'm like, "Well, maybe I like Landstalker a little more." Uh, he said <laughs> "Climax made the best stuff on the Genesis." Yeah, there's some some shining. I force can't argue music. with that. Yeah. Well, this is why I'm starting to, uh, you know, think a little bit more about, uh, you know, RPGs in general. Like trying to find an RPG that we can play for the. The show, whether it be, I mean, everything that came out at that time is like forty plus hours, um, and I've been really getting the itch to like take a look at whether it's Shining Force or Fantasy Star or something like that, just because I didn't have any exposure to the Genesis stuff. Where I did play Final Fantasy three, six, and Super R P G, and uh, Chrono Trigger a little bit. We should um, talk after the show. Okay. Uh, we will talk after the show. Uh, the next one that I have is uh, Streets of Rage 2. And it is just the, like, the, it's the whole soundtrack, but it, to just make this way too easy on me, it is the first stage in Streets of Rage 2. Another memory. I, I was in a Funco Land, and uh, it was at the time when they would allow you to. They had these st- stations where you could try out games before you bought them. Like think mm-hmm. about like th- a really good GameStop where people were actually nice to, you and they would let you just hang out there and play games. And I would just hang out there while my dad would sit in the car reading his Sports Illustrated or something like that. I would be tr- like testing out eight Genesis games to see what uh, you know if I could. One day, you know, pick up a game or if I could get enough money to to pull together for a used Genesis game. And that's when I saw Streets of Rage 2 and it was like under $15. So I was able to convince my dad to bump up oh that God. normal weekly allowance of $10. Like every Saturday, I'd get $10 to just anything you want. You, can, you have $10 for anything. and I was able to bump it up. And get Streets of Rage two with a sick. I, I still remember this so vividly. Like Funko Land even had these special sleeves for like Genesis games, so they would be as tall as NES games, <laughs> so it would fit in their shelves and yeah. stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> these this, these are the memories that I'm going to hold on to forever. Where I'm bl- probably going to forget my kid's birthday and stuff like that, but I'll still remember getting that blue Funko Land sleeve with my Streets of Rage two, and then asking the guy. Actually, I have like five other games at home. Can I have extra <laughs> sleeves? And he gave me extra. Sleeves for my games um, at home, but uh, that was that was it for me. One of the things I loved about
1: uh, just to go off topic here a little bit because I know when you I, you love when that happens. Um, Funko Land. I was so glad that I I only discovered Funko Land in like the year 2000 because mm-hmm. that was when I moved to Chicago to work at uh, EGM and there was a Funko Land basically between where I lived and EGM and I spent so much money, pretty much my entire cartridge collection <laughs> right now. Is from that like two or three years I lived near that Funko land because I just I go in there like every other week and just spend a ton of money on like look at the cartridges and have <laughs> even even sort of a vague memory of liking that game once. And it's like, ah, oh, it's only five <laughs> bucks and I grab it and take it home. So <clears throat> anyway, um my second game actually talking about climax, uh, is is from the first climax game on the Genesis, which was "Shining in the Darkness," which is the one nobody really remembers. I find um, it was a dungeon crawler, which I hate. Dungeon crawlers, absolutely love this game. Um, and I kind of I put two tracks on the list here, but I'm going to have to go with the tavern music, even though okay. it's kind of a short loop. <laughs> not only because it's a great track because climax, music and climax games was always fantastic mm-hmm. but um, the thing that I loved about it was actually the sound design because the game's done in first person mode entirely you never see your character I think maybe once at the end <clears throat> and after you finish in the castle for the first time you go to the map screen you get to choose from the castle, the dungeon, and the town and when you first go into the town you can hear the music coming from the tavern but it's really low and the way that the interface works is that you're standing in the center of town and you're, you're pivoting around. Mm-hmm. And as you pivot the camera and get closer to the entrance to the tavern, the music gets louder and louder and louder. Oh, that's super cool. It was so cool. I mean, we're talking like 1991 or something here, but it was just, it was such a cool, wow, this is awesome.
0: It's I never like sound when, positioning in a game. Like, it was. It used to exactly. always be just one level no matter where you were. Exactly. So you're, you're pivoting around and you're going past
1: like all the stalls where you buy weapons and armor and everything. And you get to the tavern and you're looking, you can see in the door and the music's getting louder. And then, of course, you hit the button to go in and then the music is full volume. Mm-hmm. It was so awesome. It was just such a great and it was good music to boot, but it was such a yeah. great moment.
0: For uh, the audience pick, we got lots of Shinobi 3, which... Uh, from, it's a
1: fantastic soundtrack.
0: Well, it's weird. I I I thought I always remember people like when they say Shinobi Three, like that's the bad one. But I guess None. that's a that's a good game. I own that too, and I just I I I don't think I've ever put that in my Genesis, just because I oh I still have do to Do yourself a favor. I know. I well, if we want to talk about Shinobi, we have to talk about Revenge Shinobi, which I've only gotten like to the second or third stage, um, just because I. But these days I just need like I need the podcast to get me to play through these games. And then I actually am like, oh man, I should have been playing this 20 years ago. Um, so this is from Jay Dizzle uh on Twitter. Uh my picks are Shinobi 3 Solitary. <laughs> Outrun Splash Wave, Uh, there's tons of awesome Genesis music. And since we probably played a ton of Outrun already, uh, we will play some tracks from Shinobi 3. And then also just to to let High jump in uh, early, Uh, Shinobi 3 is possibly the best 2D action game ever. Opening theme gets you ready to shuriken everything.
1: With uh hacker alias dpi there, the opening the intro theme for Shinobi 3 is unbelievable.
0: Okay, so maybe we'll do that too. And since uh, I'm going to be editing for 14 hours, might as well add <laughs> I'm that just one adding in. Adding more too. tracks to you, <clears throat> so uh, you know, for, for me, I, I mentioned it before, but um, e And I had a really terrible collection of Genesis games (laughs) when I was a kid because, again, I had it late. Like the year I got my Genesis, the year before the N sixty four came out, Uh, so I didn't. I didn't end up getting a ton of games for it. And the games that I got at Christmas were uh, Zoop, Barkley, Shut Up and Jam, and Sonic Two, which was bundled with the console. Uh, So I did not have the best lineup. Uh, when it came to the start. And then the other games that I ended up picking up was like I got Mortal Kombat 2 on... Not uh, bad. Oh, which is... I think it's a great version of Mortal Kombat 2 because uh, the fatalities are way easier on the three-button joypad or the controller. So I was uh, able to pull off fatalities relatively easily on that. And... um, like I said, I, I only picked up a couple of games, whether it was Streets of Rage 2 at, at Land, or um, I picked up Swat for like a buck or two at a yard sale. And I played the crap out of that game. And it was just one of those things where, um, like I said, it gave me that arcade feel in in terms of like that, that sound. And I used to always dream or I would just cherish the time that I could spend at the mall arcade and be surrounded by video games. And, and I don't know if that was why it just... It just sticks in my memory uh so much. But um really for, for, for me, and it sounds stupid, it's it's probably that 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 first stage as well. It just sets a really good tone and it's not like it is a special song. Um I think it's just because the memory of that was one of the you know, six or seven games that I ever owned for the system and uh it really uh was drilled into me. But I'll be talking about some other stuff later. Nice. Uh, The next track that I have is
1: actually uh, the first stage of Alicia Dragoon. Side scrolling action game uh, from Game Arts. I've never heard of this game, but a Game Arts I've heard of. I think a lot of people have not heard of this game, but it's one of those games that Sega of America actually brought here, and you kind of you looked at it and you're like, Okay, really? Like that doesn't how does that fit this market? Like, but yeah, I think it was the fir- I think it was the first American release, the first Game Arts game that came to the U S wow. on the Genesis. Um, it wasn't, I don't believe it was the first game they did. And it was actually, a collaboration with, uh, the animation studio Gainax
2: mm-hmm.
1: or gain. I think it's Gainax, Gainax maybe, but, um, anybody like anime fans, manga fans probably know that name. Um, but it's basically a side scrolling action game, um, where you had, uh, familiars that followed you around and you could actually level them up. And, um, you attacked using, uh, like a sort of a homing lightning attack, <clears throat> but the music was fantastic. Um, the first stage, it starts like you're in this, uh, forest with these gigantic trees everywhere. They, they look like redwoods. They're, they're huge. And the game just throws everything at you all at once. It's a tough game. Um, and the music starts out in the first stage, like kind of, uh, it's, it's, it sounds very fantasy based. Um, you know you're in this lush green forest and it just fits that music but then it after about a minute it transitions into a much harder sound and it's just a really kind of a unique mixture and the whole thing sounds fantastic the whole time like it just uh but it makes this really strange transition like halfway through the song Mm -hmm. um but still manages to stay within the same theme it's pretty cool
0: uh to to continue on with our uh listener submissions uh this is was nice right before the the podcast that's when i asked jj because he is the the genesis defender on a4 um and this ended up blowing up i just looked at my twitter thing and it blew up into a big conversation between uh nintendad says what about shining force 3 how do you feel that compares to the rest of the series and then even uh uh john riccardi jumped in john tv shining force 3 is amazing he's yeah he's a huge shining force 3 fan Oh, man, I got to play these games. Uh, Never did play episodes two and three. uh, Would make for a nice summer break game at some point. And uh, Kaiou Fu, who also is, I I think, a listener of the show, or did just see that name on NeoGAF a lot. I can't believe they haven't re-released, remastered these games. Timeless Classics. Um, Who owns those games? Is that Sega? The Shining Force game? Yeah. And I mean, the, the Shining Force, you're talking
1: about Shining Force 3 and mm-hmm. what's one of the greatest tragedies of the Saturn being cut short here in the U.S. and Canada because Shining Force 3 was released in three separate chapters. So it's actually three separate games. Oh, wow. And only the first one was ever released here. Oh, that's terrible. It was one of the last, yeah, it was one of the last games released in the U.S., so and did they ever two and three, do? I don't know if they ever translated them. I don't know if there's like a, like a, fan, a fan, fan translation yeah. going on, but it's, it's something that like I know John has all three games. I would love to do that, but I don't have any. I can't read Japanese. So it's, it's like one of those games that, oh, my God, I wish somebody would translate it because I, I will never play those
0: otherwise. And I love the Shining Force games. Well, I got good news for you. Um, there is uh, there you th- if you look on the internet, if you just type into Google "Shining Force Three fan translation," uh, yeah. there is a link on there to get the games with the fan translation built look at into that. it. <laughs> Damn! Now I know
1: what I'm going to do this summer.
0: So buy the games, then you can download that, which I'm sure is not legal. Um, but as long as you bought the games, like with the you know Final Fantasy Type Zero, that's a big thing uh, with their fan translation. I, I guess as long as you own the games, all you're getting is text. Um, so how how does that work? Do you, you can play it on the original hardware. I think someone translated the game, then remade the ISOs. Ooh. Is what I'm looking at right now. So um, mm. you might need to figure out a way to play that. But uh, from looking at the page that I'm looking at right now, um, that might be the best way to do it unless, it um, tells you
1: how long it's been since I've checked anything like that.
0: Yeah. Well, you got a buddy at Sega, Ethan Einhorn, uh, maybe he can pull some strings and get that game back on, put it on like a disc, do what square does and just charge $60 for each one of the games and, uh, make a lot of money off it and make your fans take it anyways. um, All right, so yeah, thanks for the the feedback, guys. Now I kind of really want to check out this stuff. And now people, oh man, this is a good tree of conversation we might have to come back to this live uh, as uh, (laughs) you
1: get looped into that twitter conversation you're gonna have so many names on there you're not gonna have any room for anyone to say anything
0: i'll be fine but uh the people that submitted stuff uh want to mention sonic 3's carnival stage for the off kilter nature of the track slightly unhinged a bit like the game uh, to have been written supposedly by michael jackson uh, which is definitely evident in the baseline and beat of the track from uh reg mcfly on uh twitter reg mcfly who uh big fan of the show i think both shows uh, this and uh, player one uh so yeah thank you so we uh, like him uh we do um yeah anyone that is a friend of podcast is a friend of ours um (laughs) so i'm gonna let you go back uh i'm gonna skip a turn and i'm gonna let greg go again (laughs)
1: um well to go back to one of the games that we have mentioned a couple times um you said the entire soundtrack streets of rage 2 yes the entire soundtrack is fantastic but there's one track in particular that i love and i'm going to give you the story behind it um so (laughs) when streets of rage 2 was out um my best friend in the world was um I don't know if he's manager, he was like the manager anyway, of, a, of one of the best rental stores around here. It was one of the only places that actually rented Genesis games and uh, Sega CD games, actually. And I would hang out over there at the store, uh, usually when he was closing, because then he'd just go hang out at his place and play, play games. And the two of us were crazy over Streets of Rage 2. And if it was in, if it hadn't been rented that night, we would take it home every time and set it on, like, I don't think we ever played on Mania or Maniac or whatever. We played it on, on the harder difficulty. And we would play through it and pump it through his stereo and, mm-hmm. you know, crank the music. And there's one stage near the end of the game where it's just an elevator. You're yeah. on an elevator the whole time. And if you play it on a harder difficulty, it's insane. Like, you can't even really keep up with what's going on. There's just enemies everywhere. And you mm-hmm. have nowhere to move. You have nowhere to run from them. And there's this track called Expander that plays Uh, during that stage and like there's to me like that's the genesis like that stage if if i sit and play that stage two players crank the music because it's amazing music especially when you have the action going on on the screen at the same time like i get i'm getting shivers just talking about it like it's just it's to me it's like my happiest memory of the genesis is that stage playing that stage with my friend with the sound cranked
0: you did you do like either the you know from the headphone jack to like a stereo system or a headphone jack and just like blared it through the headphones because it has a pretty good you know output on the yeah. front of the console too <clears throat> no i think he had it i think he had it running through a stereo i think at that time we would have also had like
1: the sega cd hooked up and everything so you had like so you the, have to the patch cable and everything yeah 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 we were both sega nuts we had sega cds we had 32x's we had the whole works so
0: Again, on Twitter, people brought up the Sega CD and stuff like that. Uh, That is not something we're going to hit on uh, this episode. If there's demand for it, uh, we can do it uh, down the road. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that also means I might need to buy a Sega CD so I can do some (laughs) research. Um, And, you know, I'm already worried about my PC Engine Duo R surviving for the next couple of years. But if I can find someone that replaces the lens inside of Sega CDs or like, I can't man dropping like two hundred plus dollars on a CDX. Um, I don't know for what, what it's worth. My
1: CDX worked right out of the box. I hadn't touched it in years until this last week, and it—that's an awesome has, piece of hardware. That is, uh, it's
0: a beautiful system. I'm really jealous uh, of that one. <laughs> um, all right, so let's go to uh, another pick from the audience. This Streets of Rage three, which uh, is is one of those games where I, I think people. Don't remember it as fondly as the other two, one and two. No. Um, first off, you cannot call in a special attack, which is like shooting a rocket launcher um, from 100 yards away. You couldn't do
1: that yeah. on Streets of Rage 2. Either. I know.
0: That's, that's yeah. a bummer. Like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, so uh, I think it's Bador SNK, big SNK fan, another big fan of the show. Um, Moon from Streets of Rage 3. Heaven from Castlevania Bloodlines, so we'll probably end up using uh, both those in there. After the other right here, I guess And uh, Castlevania Bloodlines is, is a game is on my list I own a copy and it's on my list to play um, But Konami, pushing the hardware um, You know, with Castlevania Bloodlines I hear a lot of great stuff about that soundtrack
1: I listened to one of your recent episodes with About Symphony of the Night Which, great episode by the way That's one of like my favorite games of all time um, And was it you, Somebody was saying that the composer in Bloodlines was the composer for Symphony of the Night. Did, did, did I hear that right? Or am I? Going I believe
0: it was Brian Davis, Davis uh, Symf- Symphony of the Night expert, and yes. uh, Next Level Games and, and all around good guy, all around great guy, Yeah, um, yeah. I think he he brought that up. He is uh, very deep into the history of that game, so I would I would trust him. I, w- I wouldn't look it up. I would just say I trust him. Um, yeah, it was uh,
1: Michiru Yamane. Sure. Yeah, who, it, was, it was actually a, a female composer, which you didn't, uh, you don't always talk about. it Seems no. It,
0: it, well, it's not talked about, but I, I think not talked about. It, I shouldn't say that, but it wasn't very common. It seems. Great. Good. Better way to put it. Um, you know, when there's, there's lots of stuff today about, uh, you know, females in women in video games and stuff like that, whether it be development and portrayal and stuff like that. Um, there were some outstanding female composers that were just Mm -hmm. making some of the best music, um, back in the eight and 16 bit, uh, eras. And, uh, I think if anyone, like, I know it's a, it's kind of a bummer, uh, Polygon last, lost a couple of their feature guys, um, this yeah. past week, sadly, like some of their best stuff is their features. Um, I really hope, you know, someone will, if they have, if they have already point me to it, I would love to see just like, um, a great feature on, uh, you know, the women composers in, in video games. Really cool. Um, it, I think it'd just be just great to, to share their stories and stuff like that because not to get too much into it, but just even like, you know, Japanese culture and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, women in the, you know, I don't, I'm not an expert, but, you know, hearing stories about it's harder for women to, to move up in the industries in Japan and stuff like that. Um, and great to be, to hear some of their stories and, uh, you know, some of those great composers are still working on fantastic games, like, uh, Mighty Number no. 9. Um, There you go And actually she also We mentioned this game earlier She had a hand in the Contra Hardcore soundtrack
1: So there you go Some amazing music.
0: Somebody, if, if, if probably if you're over in Japan, you gotta, you gotta make this feature, um, and do some <laughs> interviews and stuff like that. Um, maybe, maybe the guys that, um, at area five will do that. Like I'll give you some money. Just go make a video about that <laughs> when you're out there in Japan. Um, so we got, uh, Z met uh, great fan, uh, of the show, uh, always Sending me PMs on NeoGAF with like suggestions for video game soundtracks because uh, ZMet imports tons of soundtracks from japan like the great cd um soundtracks out there uh and uh zmet sent along uh from musha uh aggressive attack and musha is a game that i have never played i've seen videos of um the soundtrack does sound fantastic but it is like super expensive yeah it Uh, is so it's hard to uh to check that out without having to go through illegal means Yeah, Um, so now we're going to be talking about, or Greg and I are going to be talking about uh, games that uh, we've newly appreciated, but uh, we're going to continue on with stuff from the fans as well. So I'm going to say this is one of those games that uh, blew me away when I started doing this podcast and being like, I I need to buy some more Genesis games. Mega Turrican is so good. Soundtrack from top to bottom is just absolutely fantastic. So, um, you've heard me talk about this on the show a couple times. I've used tracks from Mega Turrican at the end of shows, like the Guiden episodes, a couple times. Um, but you're going to hear some more music from Mega Turrican. And I've listened to uh, the soundtracks for Super Turrican. One and two on the SNES, and I still think Mega Turrican sounds the best. Um, And, of course, there's other Turrican games that came out on the PC Engine and also on uh, computer hardware and stuff like that. It was one of those games made in the U.K., I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So it also has uh, a unique sound to it, but it just sounds, like, fantastic. It sounds unlike a lot of the other stuff on the Genesis.
1: (coughs) That's one of the games that i've
0: actually I've never played mega Turrican. Oh, it's it's actually a really you you'll play it and you'll be surprised about how many great mechanics are in there like the grappling hook like the bionic commando uh, you know grapple mechanic is in there you get to power up your weapons and you get to cycle through a bunch of weapons there's uh, nice swimming animation I guess um, but it's just, it's just one of those games. I can't believe I've never heard of this before. And it's just such uh, of such a high quality. Um, you know, more people need to know about it. And I don't think it's a game that's going to be, I don't know if it's up on a virtual console or anything like that, but, um, it's not too expensive. I would recommend getting a cart if you can even put it in the retron five if you need to. Wow. You really going to go that far? I think people really... Just going you'll, to you'll sully this game you love by letting people put it into a RetroN 5? I'm sure it's fine hardware, but I'm just saying it's not getting great reviews on Amazon. <laughs> All right.
1: Um, so the first game that, I like I said, I tried to come up with some stuff that uh, I wasn't seeing people come up with uh, from your audience, but... Um, Doing Generation 16, I've had a chance to go back and play a bunch of older games. And Batman is not a game that I missed back in the day. It was actually a pretty uh, major game, uh, if, only, if, if only even because of the controversy that surrounded it and the fact that it was based on you know, the, the movie that launched the comic book movie craze in the 90s. Um, and also because I was crazy about the NES game. And, and the music in the NES game is a fantastic. Uh, it's one of my favorite soundtracks. But when I went back and played Batman on the Genesis... I actually realized that game has a really good soundtrack, um, and probably my favorite one is uh, what the music that plays during the Axis Chemical Factory level, um, where you actually get to knock uh, Jack Napier into the acid at the end of the level. Yeah, it's just got this really nice driving beat, and uh, it's 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 just all around really good, solid music. And again, completely different than anything you heard in the NES game, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I loved about like all these Batman games. It's so funny. The Sunsoft released Batman on t- uh, PC Engine, yeah. Mega Drive, NES, and Game Boy, and all four of them are completely different games, mm-hmm. and all four of them have completely different soundtracks.
0: The the PC Engine great. game too is like a it's like a stealth game. Yeah, it's like a puzzle game. almost <laughs> It's an overhead like puzzle stealth. Um, yeah, sense off. I think I think they're up there with whether it's like if you if you want to talk about your top three third parties just across all the consoles, you know them and Konami and uh, Capcom just <coughs> almost brought it for every single game. It was really hard to it's, find a bad game from those guys. So, it's that's funny something. though because that's a very Western
1: thing to say. <laughs> because if you look at if you look at their early NES stuff, they released a lot of garbage.
0: Oh, Capcom, but totally it never, did
1: no, no. I'm I'm talking Sunsoft, really. But it never came here.
0: Oh, great, yeah,
1: then yeah. So thank the, you. The stuff, I, I agree quality. with you.
0: I used to be like, it's got Sunsoft on it, I'll play it. That's but, right. Like if you go to any of the retro shops in Japan, you're you'll just see like garbage bins full of Sunsoft games. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, so make sure to take a, uh, close look when you buy that stuff and even like getting blaster master is kind of hard to find because of the design on the cartridge and stuff like that. And it's, uh, there's no English text on it. So, uh, um, oh, wow. let's, uh, go to another one from the audience and this is, uh, from, okay. I'm going to just say a lot of people, I, I'm doing my best to get as many people in on this episode. Uh, thank you so much for everyone that sent in. Uh, stories and, and track suggestions and stuff like that. Lots of people said Comic Zone. I, I've never had a ton of experience with the game, maybe a stage or two, um, but it's sitting on that Sonic's Ultimate Genesis collection, so I should probably uh, go back to it at some point. Um, and also, Toe Jam and Earl. <laughs>
2: I'm not been, 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 been,
0: I just had I had a neighbor um, that had Toe Jam and Earl, and I just got to watch. It was actually uh, you know it sounds stupid, but it was a girl that that had Toe Jam and Earl. I guess it was you know a game. I don't know if it was marketed towards you know boys and girls equally mm. or something like that. But I don't know. Um, she loved the crap out of that game, so I would watch her play that, and uh, it does the game have is some so nineties.
1: It, <laughs> it does have some great great music in it, I think, but it's so 90s.
0: How do you oh like Toe God. Jam and Earl 3? The, Gen- the Dreamcast game kind of got Ported to the uh, Xbox. Xbox, yeah, I wasn't crazy about it. One of the things that I really love talking about music in
1: Toe Jam and Earl, mm-hmm. I don't know if, if you remember this, but <clears throat> there was actually a mode you could enter from the title screen where it was just like a beat and Toe Jam and Earl standing there, and you could use buttons on the controllers to make them move and. Oh and triggers like claps and other sound effects and scratches and stuff scratches. Cause we're talking about the nineties. Yeah. But yeah, like two people could do it. I think, I think it was two controllers. Maybe it was only one, but every button had like a dance move and a sound effect attached to it. And you could just sit there and jam. That was, that was all you did in that mode. Nothing else happened.
0: What a weird game. Don't doubt it, 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 don't doubt Great, <laughs> but but obviously it's it's one of those. It was a it was a back of the console box game that uh, that Sega was using to sell consoles.
1: Well, it was it was one of the games. Those characters were submitted as part of the Great Mascot Oh No way. contest that led to Sonic. And my understanding is that this game got um, funded by Sega because it it wasn't it didn't obviously get picked as, as the mascot they didn't get mm-hmm. picked as Sega's mascots but they there was enough interest in the game that Sega actually funded uh, uh, Vorsanger and Johnson I think were the name of the developers hmm. um,
0: to, to make the game Blake what happened man you didn't mention that in the book uh, <laughs> there was a great story about Echo the Dolphin Sega took it, it, like Sega was almost like the the Sony of today, taking a lot of chances on like weird games. I guess sure. where you look at the journeys of today, and if you just kind of looked at their E3 conference, like that weird Entwined game and, and Entwined and stuff like that. Um, it's probably a bad analogy, but uh, I wanted to mention it anyways. And uh, also, a lot of people mentioned Gunstar Heroes. <laughs> A game that I've tried multiple times to like. Um, what? 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 I, it doesn't click with me. I don't know what oh, it is. Oh man! But um, the game is super smooth. Uh, it sounds pretty good, and I don't know. It just is. Are you playing it two-player? No. See, <laughs> that's one of your problems. It's not on. Uh, I don't have my X band modem hooked up. I get a. I got to get some dial-up so X-band. I can. X oh band. My God. Get on the X band or my Sega <laughs> Sega network, and uh, yeah. And, and play some of that but uh, with that being said uh, another game that you introduced me to to this game and actually the, the series itself um, Thunder Force series uh, on the Genesis and for me um, it's one of those games that I make sure I own in the box uh, Thunder Force 3.
1: game
0: again for for me out of nowhere like i i've never heard of this game before and uh getting a a chance to play that where um at the same time i think i own i think it's called thunder spirits which i just randomly found uh at a shop in uh the last time i was in japan like i found a like a box copy for eight box or something like that. I'm like this kinda looks like Thunder Force three. Because I, it is. It it is, but it's super friggin hard. Yeah. Um and there's uh way uh I guess I I don't know. I can't remember if it's just really faster or if it's just overall it's harder, but the patterns are different. Uh, but Thunder Force 3 was a game that I was willing to for someone with little patience, I was able to sit through, you know, play again and again and again because you would get that gratification of once you beat the awesome bosses in that game, you get to the next stage and then you get greeted with um, you know, a, just another great piece of music. Um, oh yeah. So so for me, like Thunder Force 3 along with Megaturk, and games that I really never have ever been on my mind, like I don't remember ever seeing them in the past past uh, and just getting able to experience those in the last year has been great.
1: And yeah, the Thunder Force series, they're all like that. I mean, they're just like they, they all sound incredible. Um and that, that was one of the things that I loved, like that was a series that I most I think most westerners um discovered on the Genesis because it actually started as like an NEC PC series, I believe, or a Japanese computer series anyway, which those were some of the Technosoft was one of those third party developers that did a lot of those Japanese PC games. And those were some of the third party developers for the Genesis because everyone else was making NES games. Whereas the, the structure, the infrastructure of the Genesis made it easy to, to port this stuff. Um, so you saw a lot of that, like Herzog's Vi as well. Like the original Herzog was a PC game, Japanese PC game. And it, the sequel came to the Genesis, but it also had a very similar soundtrack. Um, Thunder Spirits, I think the reason why you find it a lot harder is because it's a Super Nintendo port of the arcade port of Thunder Force 3. Ah, okay. So that makes it sense. was Thunder Force 3 was ported to the arcade as Thunder Spirits, so obviously they wanted to make it a lot harder so it would chew quarters. Wow. And then they ported it back to the Super Nintendo.
0: That's a weird decision, I guess. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. um, Technosoft, yeah. uh, just discovering them as like a developer and even seeing a lot of their output... Um, in that that era has been really cool. Just to even look some stuff up because I'm not good at whether it's horizontal or vertical shooters. I'm not great at them, but uh, just being able to to play some of that stuff. And I think uh, Z Met again like has a bunch of those soundtracks. Um, so uh, sometimes I think I'm hardcore about this stuff, and then when you go look at the NeoGaf pickup posts and you see like eight new soundtracks, like imported from Japan, just all 16-bit music and lots of arcade music. Um, I know I'm, you know, almost relatively uh, not normal, but not as not as crazy (laughs) as I thought I was. Um, So uh, another game uh, for you, Greg. Uh, So this is another one that
1: I kind of discovered while I was doing my, excuse me, my show, Generation 16, um, which is from Space Invaders 91, which you uh, earlier before we started the show, um, Kevin was reading the outline and he see this caught your eye, and you're like, Really? Okay. So, but yeah, um, I ended up covering this in, in, in generation 16, episode 12, was the last game in the episode. And I was really surprised by the music. Uh, it's really good. Like, I, Space Invaders, right? Like, I would not expect amazing music out of this game, but it's just like really great shooter music. It's, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't like stand out so much, but it's just really solid, really driving beat, and it it accompanies the action so well, especially with it's a single screen shooter, which you wouldn't think would be that intense anyway, which in regards to space invaders ninety one you'd be wrong it's actually extremely intense, but the music just kind of ramps everything up a little bit more um, yeah, I just and I found myself after finishing the episode, I found myself just listening to the soundtrack, like I really dug the soundtrack a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: just a a weird game to even see just even see Space Invaders with a date on it because I know they did uh, a version for the Game Boy I mean they did I remember Space Invaders came out again on everything like in 92 or something like that I remember seeing it on like Super Nintendo it was on Genesis again it was on I think it was even on like the Atari Jaguar Um, it came out on everything so that would be interesting to check out and Space Invaders still a good game you know even all these years later yeah um, yeah. From seventy one, what was it? Seventy eight, seventy eight. Um, yeah, seventy one would be a little bit too far back. All right. Um, so uh, for me, for my final game, uh, I gotta say, I, and it might just be because I've, I have a weird attachment from from playing through and beating this game in one day, and just like just having those weird ass days where you wake up and you look at that shelf and you're like, I'm gonna do something with my life, and I'm gonna be ghouls and ghosts today. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not going to sit it's on my wall. It's not easy. It, no, it's it's not easy, but I was like, I, I'm just going to... I sat there, I had a couple of caffeinated beverages, I, I walked my dog, got some coffee, and then I just sat there, and I learned, I literally learned ghouls and ghosts uh and during that time just hearing that soundtrack over and over again oh yeah um i really enjoyed it and this is from someone that at the launch of the super nintendo like on christmas morning we got uh super ghouls and ghosts which i never got into because it runs like garbage um which is too bad because that's a gorgeous game and it's it's got some great level design and it's got amazing music too Um, and it's, it's slow in ghouls and ghosts is also slow, but, um, you know, not to that extent. And, uh, I just, I think it's, it's just one of those things like you, it's like almost going through a trauma with, you know, certain events. Like you just, you're going to hold those things for the rest of your life. And, uh, it's still a really good soundtrack either way to get through a really hard game it's good to have a friend like a good soundtrack to, uh, mm-hmm. to keep you motivated going forward especially once you beat the game and then it says actually no you didn't beat the game you have to go through all the way you have to go all the way through the game again and uh, that is one of those things that it might be the hardest game I've ever beat in my life um, and I'm probably not going to do anything like that again anytime soon Talking about safe state virtual console, like saving my state and like just reloading every time. Um, that is is uh an experience. So uh let's see from uh the audience, I think we got through everything. Uh we'll finish with Technoman, um who has a, a story there. Um Hydrosity Zone Act Two uh, these and the completion menu these two stick in my head are for the simple fact uh that the first time i played sonic 3 it was via a rental when my cousin and one of uh, my best friends spent the night at my house so much fun was had in the two player versus races and it also introduced them to quote cool game music uh my friend already knew the uh that games could have good music do uh to the fact that he was a Sega fan first and foremost, and introduced me to Streets of Rage two and how awesome the Genesis was in general. Um, my cousin thought the music for Sonic three sounded like something off the radio. Um, Interesting. Yeah, cool. Like I, I in a weird parallel universe, we got the Genesis and we didn't get the Super Nintendo, and I probably you know would feel the same way. But I think I think part of it is that whole thing of. You know, not justifying your purchase, but you just you tend to really uh, like enjoy the experience a lot more when that's like one console you had and you lived in a time where you had to defend your console on the playground.
1: (laughs) Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're also talking about when you were a lot younger and, you know, it's not like now where you can buy three PS Vita's what the hell is wrong with you?
0: But <laughs> Well, there's a, there's a great bundle that is coming out on July 7th in Japan that is black and blue, or black and red. And, uh, I mean, it's a great value, and I think that is going to be on my next shipment from Japan.
1: That's a really good color to replay Symphony of the Night on.
0: <laughs> oh, black and red, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, no, one thing I want to go back to real quick before we end this segment because you mentioned it way back in the first segment. You really talk about it, but Super Nintendo versus Genesis as far as sound goes. Yeah. Um, I gotta say that. Yeah, Super Nintendo was sounded better. Yep. I, I would never argue that. Um, because they it used samples for everything mm-hmm. really. So I mean, you know, you there was nothing that really compared to like razor or Super Castlevania 4 or any of the Final Fantasies, for sure. Um, but I feel like as time has gone on, and this is not, I'm, I'm definitely not saying that any of that stuff didn't hold up. All the best stuff on both systems holds up really well. But I feel like sort of the mid-tier stuff, like when you get out of big composers like Yuzo Shiro and, and, you know, and, and big publishers, when you get to sort of the the mid-tier stuff like, like Technosoft, for example... Um, I feel like the Genesis stuff has held up a little bit better only because where you're using samples for everything, anything that you, it it, it sounds old now, you know? Um, I feel like that's why I think NES, a lot of the best NES music has stood up a lot better too, because it just sort of got this more synthesized sound. It sounds like NES, like Genesis games always sound like Genesis games. When
0: it's like Um, NES games don't sound like they could, they don't sound like they could sound better you know they sound like i guess that's the way to put it yeah yeah
1: i know this is like walking on eggshells and i know that people are going to hear and say oh you're you're wrong super nintendo always sounds better the best stuff on super nintendo does always sound better and always did sound better um but i just feel like sort of the 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 lesser stuff is not held up as well just because it sounds like bad samples of Mm. things um, whereas you know you, you got to want to hear something on the Genesis, you got to want to like the Genesis sound. If you don't, it's all going to sound like crap. But if you do, I feel like it's held up a lot more.
0: Yeah, and people were were going back and forth with me on Twitter. It's like, yeah, there's just uh, you know people were telling me there's so much garbage on the Genesis when it comes to soundtracks. And I'm like, have you checked Scarf out jumbles. the? Yeah, have you looked at the Super Nintendo? Like I had Home Alone one and two, <laughs> you know, from uh, Toy Headquarters. Uh, the great developer of the time, and those games sound like absolute dog crap. Um, they're they're not good sounding games, and there's plenty of other stuff, even from Japanese developers, um, that that did not sound good. And um, so it's it's a great debate. I love seeing threads like this on the internet, and I like seeing discussions about this because people always post like YouTube links and stuff like that so I can listen to this stuff again. And uh, even uh, the angry video game nerd did a great segment, (laughs) a great, I think it was like a two-part, it was like a two-part video, which is better the Genesis or the Super Nintendo and just the stuff on sound where he compares like one-to-one it's not necessarily fair, like ported games, but he also he does one to one for ports, and then he also does you know RPGs on the Genesis and RPGs on the Super Nintendo, um, you know, just to get a quick and dirty look at it. And I think it was, uh, it's a well produced video. I would definitely check that out. Um, as seems like, well, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, it seems like Super Nintendo versus
1: Genesis is the console war that's never going to die. It, it won't. It's and, like nobody, nobody, nobody really has huge arguments over like, well, I guess they did back in the day and I guess it kind of still exists a little bit like PlayStation versus N64 and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think everyone's kind of moved on, but you still, you bring up anything to do with Super Nintendo or Genesis and you're going to get a dozen people piling on.
0: When everyone like, has a side. Yeah. <laughs> um, where today we have two console, two consoles with the Xbox One and PS4, like, like, in a brutal match right now, like they are doing things to, uh, you know, just undercut each other and try to get exclusives and they're trying to make the, you know, their console more attractive. And I I feel like it's not nearly even as bad as it was when it was PS3 and Xbox 360. Like I feel like, you know, people are calming down a little bit or it's maybe people are just growing up to the point where, you know, I can spend... (laughs) $800 $800 on two consoles and not have to worry about it. Um, where a lot of us grew up playing video games, you you got one or the other, unless you were Josh Hillier that grew up with every console uh, in, your, in your house. So you love every game. So happy birthday, Josh. Um, so let's take a quick break. We're going to be right back. We got more stuff to talk about, uh, including some games that we've revisited. Also, Greg picked up an upscaling unit from Japan called the XRGB Frame Meister Mini. Uh, we're gonna hear about his impressions with that so far. So stick around, we'll be right back in a second after you hear some more Genesis music if you didn't hear enough already. This is the segment that takes place after the episode that is not time sensitive and usually has nothing to do with the podcast. So if you came for Genesis Music, um, you can either, you know. Press stop. You can go listen to something else, or you can hear us talk about some other cool stuff. But I want to first throw it off to you, Greg, because um, through some some great convincing um, and some constant peer pressure, and hopefully just you know the being that devil on your shoulder, convincing you to drop (laughs) a couple hundred dollars on something that makes old video games look good on an HD TV. What's your hundred dollars? (laughs) A couple hundred. Uh, What? I mean, if it's like. Like for me, it is my next gen console of choice as a Framemeister. Um, so what's your experience so far with it? You know, what are your thoughts? I know you've only had it for a couple days, but I know you did a live stream. You've been playing around with it a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, I am absolutely shocked at the quality you can get out of it. Um, <clears throat> I plugged it. I plugged my um, 32 or sorry, CDX into it. Uh, and I, I was originally using the composite cable switch. It looked okay. It didn't look great. It looked, it, but it looked better than it it would if you plugged it directly into my HDTV because I've done that and it, everything looks awful. Um, but then ended up getting an RGB cable for the CDX and I can't even. I just can't believe how good it looks. Like if you and and you can have it both ways, which is great. Like you can do a seven point seven twenty p signal <clears throat> and turn on scan lines, and if you want scan lines, then it looks amazing or if you want you can turn off scan you can turn them on in 1080p as well but if you want to get like the kind of what you would get out of an emulator like extremely razor sharp with no scan lines you can get that too and it looks like it's coming directly through an emulator which Mm -hmm. if that's what you dig then great but the beautiful part of it is is that you don't have like you've said any of the compatibility issues you're using the actual controller which is huge Um, especially like if you're if you're like me and like this six button Genesis controller was like the be all end all of controllers for me. So <clears throat> it was great to sit there and play with the actual controller, play the actual games, like, you know, put CDs in, in, in the drive and run them and have them look so razor sharp on like a 55 inch, five inch TV, which I didn't think I was going to be able to do again. How do the, did you get to try out any FMV games? Do they still look like, <clears throat> like I have not. Okay. I'm wondering. Actually, I've been meaning to run that test because I'm wondering how. I'm I'm assuming they'll still look terrible, Uh, (laughs) just just because you're taking all that information. Doesn't help with the compression. Up to a 55 inch screen, right? So, yeah. But um, but being able to add scan lines might actually help a little bit with being able to like distinguish when it's you're looking at somebody's face uh, as opposed to just a big blob of uh, flesh colored pixels. But see Marky Mark's um,
0: abs even clearer. That's right.
1: Yeah. Well, that video looked okay because it was black and white and it was really small. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing that I've learned is that, man, my cartridges need cleaning so badly.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's that's nice, it's, funny. It, it is the, uh, the make or break <clears throat> of the experience is really, you know, making sure that you take care of those cartridges because those contacts will <sighs> A road over time, so you got to make sure that you're taking care of that stuff mm-hmm. uh, because they're constantly exposed. Like those things can get gross, even if you're keeping them. You know, in a air conditioned environment, like they will gather dust. Those things collect dust yeah. like crazy.
1: Um, and the reason that I went to with the frame meister because I was right up until, honestly, right up until days before they would have probably shipped. Uh, the, the restaurant to me. I had pre-ordered mine back in like September whenever they per- first did pre-orders, when it was back when it was a hundred bucks. <laughs> and um, honestly, if they'd shipped it from Amazon the day that the thing came out, I would have one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but what happened was between you badgering me <laughs> about the retron 5 and i think you even sent in like tweets to player one
0: i was sa- i was sending in questions it. to you guys like i was trying to yeah. i was doing my best to, to yeah. i have my agenda my anti- are you looking forward
1: Retro- to getting your inferior android emulator <laughs> um but between that and actually i i went down into our basement where a lot of my old consoles are stored and i kind of realized it's like you know what i have a lot of old consoles that all look like crap hmm. on my tv like my saturn again i, I I love the Saturn as much as I love the Sega CD and there's no good way to connect it to my television at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, well, that's a
0: great point. You just, I mean, there's, there's there's lots, I mean, that thing plays like eight different consoles, but what if you do have a PC engine? What if you do, like if you have a huge Sega CD collect, I mean, uh, Sega Saturn collection, um, like you still want to make that stuff look good.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then that's exactly, uh, that's how I finally justified it to myself. I wanted to uh, impress you, and uh, uh, I wanted to be able <laughs> I yeah. wanted to be able to play more than just the consoles that were on there. I still think that the whole idea of the Retron Five is a good one. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I'm a little bit concerned about the reviews that are out there, and honestly, the company itself uh, completely turned me off. I Part of the reason I canceled it, like I was considering even keeping the pre-order as well, Mm -hmm. but the way that they handled their constant delays uh, and and sort of their forward facing, like how they dealt with it on their Facebook page and in uh, in their PR Mm -hmm. was awful. It made me never want to buy anything from them.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real shame where, when something like as easy as just like keeping people up to date on release yeah. dates and things like that uh, <clears throat> can really turn people off. And with, with Microsoft, like look at what their mishaps with messaging did to them with the Xbox One. Right. Like it's just one of those things where the customer, you know, is not always just, even if you have a better product, like just the messaging can, can really turn people off sometimes. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really pumped that, that you got to check it out. And like I said, I, early in the show, I'm seeing a lot of people pick up the Retron fives and it's more just like, I don't know if it's the case of where like I'm smoking cigarettes. So I want the people around me to smoke cigarettes too. So I don't feel so bad about spending so much money on a bad habit. Or if it's a case where I see people that are like seeing stuff through the Retron five, having it look okay, but you guys don't even know like how much better it is on the other side of the fence where you can use your own consoles. You don't have to worry about emulation stuff and like going through menus. You can use your own game stores <coughs> and all that stuff. Uh, I think it's just, for me, it's just more of a pure experience to be able to hook up stuff. And I can hook up, like I have a, a Neo Geo um, uh, Omega, yeah. and being able to hook that up through RGB is, uh, is, is a great experience. So, um, I'm happy you got to check it out. And I I would say for, for people out there, I know they were hard to find, but it looks like they're back in stock, uh, at a lot of the, um, importers and, or exporters and stuff like that. So, uh, I would give it a look and worst case scenario. They sell for as much, if not more, um, used as they cost new on eBay. So you can always get your money back if you need to flip it on eBay. Um, if that's the case, but, that's awesome! I can't wait to see. I, I I'm now like I didn't even think about the the Sega Saturn stuff, but I can't wait to see you stream some Sega Saturn stuff or just do some because that's a console that I've never owned, I've never touched. I've always uh, looked at it uh, when I was like you know when it was out, and I all only reason I wanted it was for their arcade games. I wanted Virtual Cop Two, I wanted Virtual Fighter Two, oh, and man. I even was like thinking about how can I trade in this stuff that I have without trading in all my games to be able to get that. I think they had a great bundle that was, uh, it was uh, <clears throat> what was it? It was uh, Daytona USA. I think it was Daytona USA Virtual Racing Two. I'm sorry, Virtual Fighter Two and Virtual Cop Two, all it in was, one box um,
1: or something like that. It was Sega Rally, Sega Rally, Virtual okay. uh, Virtual Cop Two and Virtual Fighter Two. I believe yes, that's a hell of a yeah, package. Yeah, that was that was the big Christmas. That was when they kind of. Um, went for broke on that. That was one weird yeah. thing about that console. Um, I think if you actually, I think Blake Harris mentioned it in his book. Um, it did abysmally in North America, yeah. but they managed to have good Christmas every year. I don't know how they <laughs> did that, but I mean the Sega stuff on that was like the, they're their, their mm-hmm. Well, I call them the silver games cause I think it was, I think virtual fighter two, like the Sega had those um, color strips on the side mm-hmm. of their packaging And they were white for the Saturn, but for Sega Rally and Virtual Fighter 2, I believe they were silver Mm
2: -hmm.
1: for some reason. And uh, those games are just incredible. And the two Virtual Cops games on it, too, were like, they were so good. That's a reason to keep a CRTC around. Yeah. CRTC. For for, for sure. CRT. CRTC (laughs) is a Canadian FCC. But anyway.
0: uh, I still think their downfall was the, and even for early PlayStation, was the ugly. The ugly cases that were built out of like glass, like fragile yeah. glass, and they would just like I I would go into the store like that same Funko Land. I would look around, and all the cases would be broken for the the Saturn games, um, just because they were just built. They were terribly built. You know that the first
1: round of PlayStation games came in those too, right? Yeah, but they were cardboard. No, they were no, they were plastic as well. They bought those cases from Sega, I believe.
0: Holy crap, because I, I know the story is like the Sega CD, they obviously had them for Sega C D and there were so many left yep. over, they're like, Oh shit, I guess we'll just use them for the Sega Saturn two. Um yep. because No,
1: Sony used them for a while and then they went to cardboard and then they went to
0: regular CD jewel cases. That's the way, like, if you go to Japan and you see those rows and rows, there's so much Sega Saturn stuff out there, and they're all just in beautiful, nice CD cases. Um, I think that is, it's on my list. Like, I'm I'm making this terrible list of stuff because my next trip is looking like September to Japan, and I'm like, I guess I got to come back with a Sega Saturn this time. I just have to do it. (laughs) Like, whats there's no point in getting a U.S. Sega Saturn if I can get one of those sweet, white, or a uh, gray Sega Saturns, um, with the great controllers. Yeah. And even um, E4 has, ha, they have one at their office. They're like, Oh yeah, you can probably just have this if you want. I should have taken it when I was there, but oh, those they bastards, they have an extra Sega Saturn sitting in their office, just hanging out. Um, so yeah, one of the things
1: that I do want to do now that, they have their frame Meister, um, is I'm think I'm toying with the idea of doing like a weekly generation 16, like live companion show. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but I gotta, I gotta get a, like, That's probably at least a good month in the offing, Mm -hmm. um, just because of how crazy it is here with uh, three kids getting out of school and all that stuff. But, but I am looking at doing something like that. So hopefully in the next month or so, I'll get that all sorted out.
0: Awesome. Uh, we'll we'll be, uh, checking that stuff out. What is the link for the YouTube or I guess I should say your Twitch channel? Uh, that is a good question. (laughs) I'll post it in the show notes. We'll figure it out and we'll, yeah, I'll figure it out. I, I, that's so sad that I don't remember it, but yeah, I'll look it up. Um, So one thing that I wanted to talk about uh, is... Uh, for some reason I I go on these really crazy kicks where I'm like really deep and packing. I'm always in the PlayStation Vita, but I'm really deep into the weird PlayStation Vita because, uh, the E3 presentation for Sony had me really worried. Um, (laughs) they don't really care about the Vita in America right now, but, um, it allowed me to, since I'm kind of out of stuff to play, not really out of stuff to play, but I was like, I want to spend some money on the Vita. So, um, I picked up Muramasa. Uh, rebirth on it, which is <clears throat> unbelievable. Um, I, I wrote into your guys' show and uh, to, to talk a little bit about this because this this game came out a couple years ago on the Wii and then they re released it on the PlayStation Vita. I think it was even a launch title when the Vita launched. No, it wasn't a launch in uh, Japan, but anyways, um, the game is uh, beautiful. It's the same guys that make Dragon Crown, uh, Dragon's Crown, and they also did uh, Odin Sphere on yep. the PS2. And um, that game, I hate the conversation, our game's art, because I, I think I talked about this with Mike Micah. I think anything that you have put creativity to is uh, into his art. Like, this is just the worst debate ever. Um, but this game is just beautiful in motion. There's so many little touches and uh, the writing is really funny. Um, it's just, kind of over the top in all aspects. Um, so I would really recommend picking that up. If you have a Vita or a Wii, uh, yep. pick it up. It's cheap. It's like 15 bucks on the Wii, and it's about 30 on the Vita. And it's always, I've seen it on sale a couple of times. That's how I get it on the Vita. Um, but I would definitely pick that up. And the other weird one is uh, Danganronpa, which... Holy crap. Is that a weird, awesome game? Uh, A super Japanese, again, like everything's over the top. I don't, I don't like anime at all. I don't think I've, I've tried watching the the latest anime. That's kind of like the new hotness on Netflix, which is Titan something. I forget what it's called, but uh, this, this is a game that has not a ton of gameplay, but it's detective work. You're 15 kids get dropped into a completely sealed off high school or a, um, a private school and they cannot be let out without, uh, killing someone and not getting caught. Um, so you have to kind of figure out who murdered who and also, uh, you know, the steps that they took and then there's a great trial and there's crazy bear that is psychotic and will, uh just do crazy stuff and there's again great writing and it was just one of those things where um, I've started to really want uh, wanting to kind of follow the stuff that Atlas is doing and uh, Exeed and NIS because uh, those are the companies that are going to bring Vita Games over. If you look at the stuff that's coming in the next couple if you look at the stuff that's going to be released retail in the next year, it's all import stuff Um, and a lot of it is coming from from those three companies and Axis and uh, which is another one that uh, does great stuff and an Seed store I, real quick I ordered soundtracks from XSeed's website Seed store and they just threw in a bunch of extra stuff when I ordered from them so nice that's really cool to just and someone emailed me personally emailed me like about my order and stuff uh, saying that they could not get it out as fast because they are prepping for E3 I'm like no problem man just announce Vita Games which they didn't uh, but they already have some stuff on the work uh, works. But um, this is an irrational thing. I know this where like I think you know CJ gets a bad rap because he's kind of irrational about Nintendo stuff um, on Player <laughs> One, and uh, I think I That's am irrational kind. about the Vita. No, I'm serious. Like I think uh, I am as big a fan of CJ as anyone out there, um, but uh, he likes Nintendo stuff, and I like the the PlayStation Vita for. No real reason, but I just feel like That hardware talks to me That's why I own three of them And that's the reason hey,
1: why uh, I'm, I'm sure Mike would be right along with you I am okay. I feel terrible because you asked me about Coming on to a, a, <laughs> P, a, a PS Vita related yeah. Show, and I was like I don't think I've turned it on in like three months. I almost didn't want to reply so, to your email. I, I know. Man. I felt terrible writing it. And it's funny because it's sitting, like, I got the doc for it and everything. It's sitting yeah. right here, like, yeah. right in front of me. There's no
0: reason why I haven't turned it on. Um, I just haven't. So, I, I yeah. it, it's, there's good news, at least for people out there that are uh, interested in Vita stuff, where it's, well, good and bad news where it's sold out everywhere but the you know the things that people are saying is that Sony didn't send any of them out. Uh like it had a I think it was like a 1600% increase in sales from month last month to this really? month. Really? Yeah, but uh it was also it went from like 3,001 month to whatever it did this month. I think it sold like 60,000 units, um, in, well, I guess, what are we in June? So I guess in May with the Borderlands two bundle, but it's been sold out on Amazon for like the last couple of weeks and like it'll pop in mm-hmm. and then it'll be sold out again. And it's been sold out, um, at com and, Net, uh, Newegg, like people have been having trouble finding the, uh, the new Borderlands bundle. Um, which is probably a sign of like no confidence from Sony, but hopefully this isn't, wakes them up a
1: little bit. Isn't there a rumor going around as well that they're, that Sony's talking about a bundle like PS3 or PS4 and Vita? There is one in Europe. There is, um, oh, okay,
0: there is one. And Best Buy about did it. one. Yeah, Best Buy actually did one for $40 cheaper. If you get a PS4 and a Vita, oh, okay. you got $40 off. And I haven't owned a PS4 since launch. I bought one at launch and... Uh, sold it like in the first month after kind of being underwhelmed by the launch the launch mm-hmm. lineup. Uh, but I actually just bought one for 340 bucks on uh, eBay had a great deal, uh, like a no tax brand new PS4, like with this, like they were promoting it and uh, having a coupon code got one for 340 tax free. Um, so that is going to be, um, this is my F you to Sony. That's going to be my accessory for the PlayStation Vita, uh, my Vita will not be my accessory for my PlayStation 4. <laughs> I hate... That's such a bad it's just, way it's to sell your, the It's system. your Vita server. It's... Uh, yeah. Yeah, nice. It's, so That's cool. That's a way to look at it. <laughs> it's just... I, I I get so worried because even when they say, like, PlayStation Now is going to be the way that you're going to be able to get... You're going to be able to play hundreds of games for your Vita. I'm like... <laughs> Not I, at those prices. Not A, not at those prices. Which I, we won't even get into that. But B, like I like to be able to take my Vita out of my house and not have to rely on an internet yep. connection uh, to play video games. Because like especially this summer, I get to travel. Like every three weekends, I get to be flying someplace, and I want to bring something with me. Uh, so hopefully they 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 bring it in uh, in terms of indie stuff or downloadable stuff or whatever. But <laughs> I don't know. It seems like
1: that's like they've I think they've officially positioned the system there now, haven't they? Pretty yeah. much like indie. That's fine. I mean, that's that's yeah. always been the best. Speaking of someone who hadn't turned it on for like three months, that's always been the best thing about the Vita is is like, you know, I played the last thing I played, I think, in a major way on there, besides picking it up and playing like some PS1 classics. Yep. Uh, Guacamole. And yeah. I had it on the PS4. I didn't touch it on the PS4. I played it on the Vita, and it was like the perfect game yeah. for that system, and, and I adored it. I think I gave it, I don't know if I said it was my best game last year, but it was definitely my top
0: five. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it, is, it is an irrational love for, for a console, <laughs> but it's like the same way I felt about the Dreamcast, which I, I don't know a better nice. way to describe it, but... um i just feel like especially the the slim model was just it's just such a perfect piece of hardware that um it's just a sign of the times where people would rather have an ipad or an iphone than to uh to have to have a vita but i can still import stuff from japan i guess i don't know <laughs> um so e3 wrap-up stuff obviously you guys did uh Multiple E3 shows. You did. You had your show this past week, and plus, you did a special episode um, on Tuesday where you, you talked a lot about E3. But um, you know, for people that that missed the episodes, were there, was there anything that really stood out to you? Whether it be you know pros or you know positive stuff, or just disappointments from the show.
1: Um, I don't. I don't think anything in the show really disappointed me. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it's funny because a year on from the previous show, like last year where Sony and Microsoft were both introducing the new consoles and they were really, they were just as interested in introducing the, the um, sort of the high level concept of where they saw those consoles going. Um, Plus there was that great, you know, the great gotcha moments for, from Sony because they got to go second and the whole thing like, the, the great little video that came out where they were handing each other games is like, this is how you give each other used games on the PS4 and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But, you know, and, and Microsoft with their kind of very messy message and, you know, like, this isn't just a games machine. It's going to do all this stuff, which Sony also kind of did. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, it was kind of nice and at the same time a little bit boring that they stayed entirely on message and the message was games. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of expected after both consoles have been out for like six months, it's like, okay, so here's what's coming in twenty fifteen, and that's what everything seemed to be about. But um I wasn't disappointed in any of it. It was just very straightforward. Microsoft, especially, I think, had to after the mess that was last year. Mm-hmm. And like I thought it was very cool that Phil Spencer kind of kept reiterating it and, and and like kept saying over and over again, like, not so much we're sorry, as like we know you guys want games here are some games. This is what we are going, this is what we're focusing on. Games are our focus, Mm -hmm. which after last year was like, we're going to be your TV. We're going to have different sports stations. We're going to be, we're going to know when you walk in the room connect is always on. And you know, it's like none of that. They didn't even say the word connect. I don't think in the Microsoft press conference. So I don't think so. Good for them. Um, Sony, same thing. Showed a bunch of games, a bunch of stuff that I'm I'm excited to play a year from now, mm-hmm. um, and like the 20 minute intermission there where that dude came out and talked about God knows what. Um and <clears throat> powers, Greg. Then, you got yeah, really. to have I,
0: powers. I, I'm not a comic book guy, so
1: no. Yeah, great. the comic book thing did not fly at all. Um, and Nintendo again. I I liked the whole Nintendo Direct approach they did last year. I liked it again this year. It was kind of cool that they let the developers speak a little bit and that it was done. I like that they didn't try to do it in a live stage show because I find that you know I certain people like Miyamoto and Bill Trinan put on a good live presentation, right? Because they, Bill is awesome at what he does, and Miyamoto's been doing this for a long time.
0: Yep.
1: Um, always having find, fun whenever they're on stage together. It's yeah, always just exactly. like going back and forth. It's always funny. Exactly. And it's like, but nine times out of ten, you bring on, and I'm not even going to say just Japanese, but you bring on um, a non-English speaker to an English-speaking audience, and it's just... It's not that it's awkward, and it's not that it's not interesting. It's just that it really kills the flow, mm-hmm. kind of like how Sony did with some of their presentation. Um, so I liked how they packaged it beforehand and released it that way. I think that's definitely the way for them to go, where they have mostly Japanese developers anyway.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and But the real thing I thought, which we didn't even talk about in our special episode because it was before it all happened, the whole Treehouse Live thing that Nintendo did at E3, Yeah, brilliant. Like They took the press Surprising, right out huh? of it. Isn't that It was They
2: kind of
0: Hit a home run with that
1: I, I did not expect it And I can't even believe it That we're talking about it But Like they took the press out of it, and I'm not saying that as in a derogatory way to the press, but it's like you found all the information you needed about Nintendo in one spot for yep. three days, and it was a bunch of people who weren't television presenters. They weren't up there trying to be funny, a mug for the camera. Mm-hmm. They were really excited about what they were talking about, and they were just showing games. And mm-hmm. it was it was brilliant. It was a great way to do it. I think they really hit on something with that.
0: It's, it's a really good sign for someone that loves Nintendo stuff, but feels like obviously they, they've, you know, tripped up a couple of times in the last couple of years, whether it be with a Wii U launch and stuff like that. But, um, I think it's a great sign that they know we have to kind of light a fire under our asses and, and sure. make sure we, uh, kind of win back some market share so we can continue doing stuff like making video games, um, for our own consoles, which I think they want to continue doing. And, um, not one third-party game uh, for the Wii U announced. Yeah, M3, but kind of hurts. I don't think. I mean, for for us, I don't think so. Like, unless it was going to be a Zombie U too. Um, but <laughs> no, I'm just, i Well, that's another thing on my wall is a sealed copy of Zombie U that I got for thirteen dollars. I haven't opened yet. Um, nice, but the for for me the big thing was um obviously like you said uh the treehouse stuff was fantastic and I, even i watched a lot of uh GameSpots, uh live stuff they had they had they did a, some good stuff oh just it, it was just nice to be able to see gameplay um lots of gameplay and nintendo showed like 30-minute chunks of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles and stuff like that. Uh, they showed some more. I, I can't believe I'm actually interested <sighs> in picking up the new Zelda game this fall, the Zelda uh, Dynasty <laughs> Warriors game. Yes. Um, which, for for me, now that Mario, like I played Mario Kart for a week, I'm done with it. Um, because What? I, I I played all the tracks. I liked the game. I played it online for a weekend. I don't really want to go back to it. Um, between that and your gunstar heroes comment i um, we <laughs> we need to talk well this is the great thing is that i don't even have the wii u hooked up to my tv but it's still plugged in so um nice when maybe this fall i'll pick up zelda but other than that my wii u has gone into hibernation until uh i want to either play more punch out on the wii um which is the wii version of punch out not original punch out um or you Know maybe something else comes up as like cool downloadable content, but for right now, that thing is, is kind of going into hibernation. But everything that they showed for the Wii U, uh, at the press conference or on their live event, I want to buy. Which, mm-hmm. compared to last year, nothing was really doing uh, a lot for me. I'm not really, except for Smash Brothers, I don't care about Smash Brothers, but um, even that uh, Yoshi's Island game looks unbelievable. Um, oh my God. just super cute! Uh, I wish it, I kind of wish it was on the 3DS um, but and that's like a lot of the stuff on the Wii U it's like I wish it was on the 3DS just because <clears throat> I like more portable stuff these days but um, I, I'll, I don't care like my $200 refurbished Wii U is going to be justified by Zelda when that comes out um, and the next Mario which I'm sure they're hard at work at a, on a new Mario unless they're getting uh, working on something for the next 3DS successor I don't know um, Yeah, but the uh, the sign from Nintendo was that, yeah, we're, we're working on some really good stuff. Um, it's stuff that you should be excited about and stuff that is, you know, worthy of owning our console for, and at $200 for a refurbished Wii U on Nintendo.com, I think this is the time to buy. Um, just do it because there's lots of great games that have come out, uh, whether it's Pigment 3, which unfortunately I, I don't like very much, but, um, there's plenty of really cheap software on there on Amazon.com. Uh, so I would definitely say this is the time to get a Wii U. Um, yeah, it's
1: it's weird because, uh, like, a friend of mine at work
0: um, keeps asking me
1: if it's worth buying a Wii U because I've been raving about Mario Kart 8 lately. Yeah. And it's a great game. I can't. Yeah, and but I can't like I can't sit there and say you know what Mario Kart Eight is not the reason to buy a Wii U. Mm-hmm. I can't say like in good conscience go out and spend money on this console right mm-hmm. now. But it is slowly, too slowly, building a really solid library. <clears throat> yes, they're mostly Nintendo titles, but they're it's becoming a system that you kind of like, uh, kind of like what you said. Like you want to buy as a secondary console at a cheaper price, yeah, just so you get to experience like. 3d world and mm-hmm. mario kart 8 and the, the 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 new toad game coming out actually looks really fun mm-hmm. um and and you can still you know <clears throat> scoff at the wii library all you want there's some great games on the wii as well and they're cheap now
0: and it's like you can play them on your wii u There's so many great wii games that, that people missed out on that i miss out on i have a bunch i have like, eight, eight sealed Wii games over there that at some point in my life I would like to play, um, yeah. whether it's, like, The Last Story or um, other stuff that I can't see from here <laughs> and I can't remember because it's... it's, one it's of the Mario it's, Galaxy titles. Mario, yeah, more... There's no. just... I think the Wii U is justified just on Super Mario 3D World and uh, Wind Waker <laughs> HD, which is... Oh, yeah, another good example. Oh, gorgeous. Um, I And I hope that is one of those things where they bring more of the HD remakes, whether it's upscaling GameCube games or or whatever, uh, bring some more of that stuff because uh, if they look anything like Wind Waker HD and it doesn't cost a lot of resources to do it, um, I'm all for it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also, I, I will say CJ and I had kind of this thing where we talked uh, at dinner at Pack <coughs> East about wanting a revitalized or a revision of the 3DS um, which did not come. Oh, my God. Uh,
1: CJ has been harping about a revision on the 3DS for like three months now. It's because it's terrible hardware
0: with a fantastic library. It <sighs> is It is a garbage piece of hardware with a fan- an unbelievable lineup of games where there's great games for the 3DS. Uh, and even I got a 2DS, and I almost bought into that because I got it for like $99 with Pokemon installed into it. And I just... I can't do it. I need a nice like the the Vita. Again, it's a hardware thing. It's it's why I liked the PSP more than the DS, even though there was better games on the other console. Um, Just because it feels more of like an a thing an adult would own. Um, I I understand, which is and it's stupid because I own a bunch of video games here behind me, um, but I want to have like a nice screen. I want to have a high headphone. Uh, volume output like that stuff is important to me like online stuff the digital uh, you know content uh, account system Like, I think a lot of that, uh, that stuff I think is
1: broken yeah that's I don't know if that'll ever get fixed
0: I have hope I, I, I think god damn they're two generations behind the next I one will, has got to work <laughs> I will tell you and I've
1: said this for a long time because I think the 2DS is brilliant as the father of three kids yeah um, and and the two oldest ones are seven and five, so last Christmas we were really close to pulling the trigger on. Yeah, there you go. There's two DS. It's got a. It's we got really a, close a dust to the cake on, on it. Two of them. Yeah, but the thing is, is it's that it's that online uh, account system that's the problem. If I was able to, I mean, I I don't think I would ever be able to share games online. Mm-hmm. But even if they had some sort of like family account set up where i could even maybe get a discount on a second digital copy i would gladly do that yeah um and buy a couple of those for my kids because they love playing the 3ds i cringe every time they play it because they love to sit there and open it and close it and i hear the hinges snapping all the time and i'm like ah oh,
0: please don't break you know that 3DS, ribbon cable that's going up through the
1: hinge exactly is going to be it's wearing like, out. Oh. but i just I, so we, we were so close to getting 2DS for them Mm -hmm. last Christmas. And the problem is, is that I know I'd have to buy extra copies of anything digital. Although, I mean, I could buy, you know, I could buy, um, only physical, which is probably what I would do anyway, but I Mm -hmm. still have the same problem because, you know, with two small kids, one wants to do whatever the other's doing. So if one's playing say Tomodachi life, Mm the other one must be playing it at the same time. I didn't mean to go off into a whole gamer dad rant here no, but No,
0: it's 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 a, it's an argument that that or it's a discussion that you need to have with yourself, you know. Yeah, they're so
1: close to having a great system. They just need to do something to help families with children deal with that.
0: Yeah, I mean it's I'm I'm sure they're on it. <laughs>
1: but Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: But uh th- this is this is a, one of those things too where I I think it's it's hard to do the digital stuff on Nintendo platforms. And I feel bad, like, I feel like I'm picking on CJ. It's like, uh, you know, CJ is great. With that being said, him going digital on Nintendo platforms, I think it's is, is, is it's financially suicidal. Um, because I have, like... you're going to want to play this. I don't know if he's going to want to play this stuff in 20 years, but if he thinks he's going to be able to download that stuff from a Nintendo server in 20 years. Exactly. No effing way. Um, And unfortunately uh, the hardware these days does not last as long and getting accounts transferred and all that stuff just worries me so much. Um, That's even why I, I, I don't even trust Sony that much either. That's why I own some games like digitally on the Vita. But if I can get it cheap enough in a, uh, like I own Persona 4 digitally and I own the physical version um, because it's cheap enough where I spent like, I think it was $8 for the digital one on a plus sale. And it was, uh, I think it was $18 to get it on Newegg and it's sealed and I can play it in 20 years if I want to.
1: You're buying it digitally, you're, you're pretty much renting it totally that's the way i see i mean 100%. you might be renting it for 20 years but yeah. you're renting it
0: yeah it's i i think it's i i i can almost appreciate how people can uh not own all this physical stuff like i don't like i almost don't like owning all this stuff uh but just the value proposition of being able to you know think about wanting to oh what if i lose my 3ds you know in a couple of years like are they still <clears> going to be able to transfer my account if i don't have a police report? Right. Um, you know, if I move or something like that, but, uh, with all that being said, like at the end of the day, you're playing the games when they come out. Um, if you're okay with never being able to play them ever again, like the 30 year old or 25 year old card of Zelda that you have on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. No problem. Um, even more, even more so, uh, even more practical.
1: I mean, for people like you and me and probably people who are listening to this show who, you know, keep a lot of stuff and have game collections. You look at somebody like Mike Phillips on our show. Um he generally he doesn't keep things. Like he yeah. when he plays a game and he's done with it, he's done with it. Totally. So for somebody like him, you know, and and one of my best friends here does the same thing. He'll he'll wait for deals and then he'll play through something immediately and when he's done, he's done and when he he resells it. Mm-hmm. And when he resells it, he usually gets within like 20 bucks for what he bought it for or even better than that. Mm-hmm. So like he, Digital. There's no way you're going to do that. There's no way you can ever do that, and you end up with a gigantic collection you don't want of games you're not playing.
0: Yeah, and I, and I like I said, I don't, I don't mean to pick back, pick on people that that do the digital stuff. Um, you know, especially <clears> with, <throat> uh, I w- I'm not going to play favorites on the Player One podcast, but um, you know, I, I do think that uh, CJ makes tons of great points. But that's just one of the things <laughs> where I, I listen on the show, and that's why I even sit in a question. I'm like are you worried that you're not going to be able to play this stuff in you know 20 years? And <laughs> I think you guys were all like, well, I guess, CJ, you'll find out real soon, won't you, if you're not going to be able to play this again. But um, anyways, buy physical if you can these days. You have the space for it. Just get a CD sleeve case and something like that. I'm sure they That's still sell those. Yeah, just yep. throw it in a, a big uh, CD case sleeve and um, throw away the case if you need to, or recycle the case if you need to. Um, Bring it to your local Goodwill or something. Especially
1: uh, a great way to do it, especially if you have a significant other that will not uh, will not truck with shelf upon shelves of uh, video games yeah. in her living room. His or her living room, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, with that being said, I think we 're going to wrap up the the show. just a couple quick production notes for people out there. Um, I do have emails out to uh, a couple people, including uh, Mike Micah, where we were going to record something but um, things got really tight before e three so we 'll talk a little bit about uh, his experience at this e three um, as well as talking about some more video game uh, development stuff and uh, history of video game development uh, with Mike and also uh, Blake Harris who were kind of going back and forth just because he happened to randomly bump in uh, to Josh in New York that uh, he's going to come back on to do uh, a follow-up to talk about uh, some more console war stuff and then Steve Lin uh, arcade collector, video game collector extraordinaire, historian uh, is going to be coming on to uh, talk about some more stuff and we might play some uh, Jackie Chan's Action Kung Fu um, because that's at kind of the top of my list for the next thing to do but uh, I apologize, we I know we we're gone for a couple of weeks but I think for, for me personally it's good to Take a break from the retro game stuff. That way, every time we bring an episode to you, I am super excited about it. I just don't want to ever make this sound like it is a job because it should always be fun. And hopefully that comes across when you look every week. Um, So before that, uh, Greg, anything that you have coming up? Obviously, there. I think it was... I don't know if it was the last time that you're on that you're almost done with the latest episode of Generation 16 uh, because you did have an episode that came out a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you want to talk about that real quick.
1: Yeah, um, actually, it was about a month ago now, um, which was Generation 16, Episode 12. So you can find all that stuff. Just go on YouTube and search for my name, Greg Stewart, or search for Generation 16. Or you can go to my website, generation-16.com. Um, episode 12 has been out for a month. Uh, episode 13, I've started working on, although... I, um, went through and kind of reworked my database a little bit again to try to get some American dates a little closer. I actually also reached out to a couple of, uh, developers, uh, from that actually worked on some of the U S Genesis games who helped me out a ton with, uh, sort of getting some dates right and everything. So huge thanks to them. I'll be I'll be talking about them on the next episode. Um, but yeah so the the next episode of generation 16 episode 13 is probably still a few weeks away um i'm still sort of ramping up on it um but please go check out the series so far
0: yeah and you had a good post uh, for someone that uses <coughs> adobe pr- premiere for work uh the amount of edits that you put into that show is just nuts <laughs> um it's gonna be how my audition uh file looks like tonight, yes but, or tomorrow i should say um that's awesome I And mean, obviously you guys are going to be back Recording uh, another Player One tomorrow with, uh, Or when this comes out You're going to be recording it uh, Mike is going to be back on the show I heard
1: Yes, we are getting the band back together I think it's been like a month Since we've had yeah. all four of us on at once um, <clears throat> One thing I want to throw out there uh, mm. Tomorrow we're going to be recording episode 398 wow, So yeah. we're coming up on the 400th episode And one of the things that we want to do For the 400th episode Is refresh our album art and our uh, intro theme music, which the theme music we have is great, but we've had it a really long time and we're seeing if if we can sort of freshen it up a little bit. And I'm saying that because we're running a contest for that. Where we're looking for user submissions for both the album art and the theme music. And if we pick yours, what is in it for you is a hundred dollar certificate for whatever digital service you want. Uh, so PS PlayStation Network,
2: mm-hmm.
1: eShop, Live, whatever they call it now, the Live uh, marketplace, Steam, whatever. $100 the 100 channel. Each one. Can you
0: get the Playboy channel?
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> whatever CJ's comfortable with putting on his credit card, <laughs> that's what you're getting. So, all right. Please, yeah, uh, so, come to our website player one join the forums if you have we have a thread in there for it. If you if you're good at making music, if you're good at making album art, whatever you want, come check it out. Please, please submit something.
0: Well, we do have some, uh, some artists in the, the audience. Um, so this is, uh, Lloyd, um, calling out to you into your ears. Uh, the, the creator of our logo and a bunch of our, uh, variations of the logo, um, Lloyd Parker hit, hit those guys up and, uh, hopefully you can, uh, work something out. Uh, hundred American dollars. Yeah. And he's in Australia. So that's like, a million dollars that's that's all the money you can retire on one job there you go all right well thank you so much uh greg for coming back on the show it's always a pleasure to to get you on here and i joke a lot that you are it's like we're, we're running a new show this is our uh siga uh correspondent uh, greg Stewart, out in the field cool with that um out in out in the the great white north or something i don't know i guess it's warming up over up there now um yeah. but we got uh like i said a lot of great stuff coming in the next couple episodes we are going to be talking about video games it's not just going to be uh guide end episodes so keep an eye out on at back in my play on twitter uh, and also i am at kevin Larrabee on twitter uh greg is at Stewart, s-e-w-a-r-t and uh Make sure you're checking out backofmyplay.com. We have a great thread on Neogaf. If you're uh, part of that crew over there, search for back in my play on Neogaf, and you can go in there and talk about video games and whether they're old or new, and you know how great the PlayStation Vita is. And uh, you can make comments on the website. I check all those, and we have a contact thing on there. So, uh, thanks so much for uh, listening to this 14-hour-long episode. I'm back in my play. Uh, Hopefully this didn't fill up your whole iPhone. And uh, we will be back next time with some more old video games that we love to talk about. So take care and have a great rest of the week. Bye-bye.